0: Six. Hey, good morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartin. McCartin After Midnight. And I'll be talking all things New York sports with you guys until 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night if you're still out and about and the city never sleeps. I'm coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in Lower Manhattan. And we are just two hours into Football Sunday, November 10th, 2019. And I hope you guys had a great week. We're going to be together a lot tonight, you and me, till 6 a.m. Like I said, I have Pat behind the glass. He's willing, able, and ready to take your phone calls. He does a great job um, already tonight, loading up the songs for tonight. And you guys know the number 877 337 6666. Load them up with your best Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants, Knicks, and Nets content. And I must tell you that I am sitting here in a number 13 Dan Marino jersey. Um, well, Uh, Because I never back out of giving my word to somebody. And that person, in this instance, happens to be JJ, John Jastrzemski. You guys know him, right? Because we had that bet going, and the New York Jets absolutely found a way to lose to his tanking for Tua, winless up until that point, Miami Dolphins last week. And the bet was, as you may know or may not know, that if the Jets won, JJ was going to give me a J-E-T-S chant to play on my show for, you know, eternity. Instead, the Jets took the big L, and uh, so did I. And not only did the Jets lose to the Dolphins last week, as I come on the air tonight, one of my Twitter followers prompted me to to, to this information. On this date, November tenth, nineteen 1985, which was before I was born, the New York Jets also lost to the Miami Dolphins 21-17. So that's great. And uh, if you guys are lucky, I might even go full character and have... Pat record a video of a Marino fake spike video for you guys to laugh at on social media. It's been requested more than once. So, yes, I lost, and that is, yes, why I'm wearing a Dolphins jersey on the air with you tonight. And I'll post some pictures so you could get get a look at that. I've got a very special guest for you later tonight. You guys have guessed it. The few clues that I've left for you on my Facebook and Twitter channels, I left three clues, and the clues were um, this person's resume is WFAN, NFL Network, and Yes Network three most recent. Yes, it's Kim Jones, who does an outstanding job with her coverage at the NFL Network. She also is a host here on WFAN. So her and I, we will hyper-focused on a detailed comparison and contrast between the New York Giants and the New York Jets. We are going to be discussing who has the advantage in a Week 10 matchup in the MetLife Bowl, talking about the 2019 and 2020 implications for each team at the organizational personnel level. And with that, the New York Jets are hosting the New York Giants in the 2019 regular season edition of the MetLife Bowl. The only bowl game that both teams will see this season, at least. So I have this song, Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror, I picked, and it just came to me yesterday because... The New York Jets, they're one in seven. They're set to square off against the two in seven New York Giants later today at MetLife Stadium. And the reason why I picked that song is well, because the Jets and Giants are eerily similar. Like looking at each other in the mirror? The Jets have ghosts and the Giants have black hats. And you've got Jets safety Jamal Adams, who grew up a Giants fan in Dallas. Tough skin there. Because his father was a first round selection by the Giants in 1985. And you've got Giants running back Saquon Barkley who grew up as a Jets fan in the Bronx whose father is going to be wearing a number 12 Joe Namath jersey to MetLife Stadium later today. One that Saquon bought him. There will be a jersey exchange between the two of them following the game. And I'm talking Saquon and Jamal. And there are three similarities I see between the teams and we can get into any and all of these later. Both teams have a dual threat, premier running back. Barkley and Le'Veon Bell. As rushers, their numbers are are almost identical. Where Barkley has 4.6 yards per attempt, Bell 3.3. Their rushing yards in total are almost exactly the same. And I know Saquon Barkley has played in less games. Um, He has also two more rushing touchdowns or one more than Bell. He has two. Bell has one. As receivers, again, they're almost exactly similar. Barkley's got 28 receptions on 41 targets. Bell's got 40 receptions on 51 targets. Pretty much, in terms of yardage, they're almost exactly the same. They average about the same. Well, Barkley is 8.1 average and Bell is 6.1. They both have one touchdown each as a receiver. Um, yards after catch are almost identical. I mean, believe it or not, there are still questions on from both teams' fan bases on how their backs are being utilized or, in their collective opinion, underutilized or even misused. Giants fans think that Barkley should be more of a blocker in certain stats, and, you know, they say, among other things, but that's the number one thing. And Jets fans say that Bell should be used more in the flat, they say, among other things. Second similarity I see is that both coaches are on the hot seat, although Adam Gase is way more, more so than uh, New York Giants' Pat Shermer. And it's the return of the plane message. Have you seen the banner flying up the Hudson River calling for Adam Gase's firing? It was fan financed through GoFundMe, I believe. It's just unbelievable the length that the passionate Jets fans will go through to get their message heard. Add that to the, or this latest banner to the Fire Idzik billboard on Route 80 not too many years ago. Remember that one? Or do you remember the plane message again? That said, that flew over MetLife Stadium. It said, rebuilding since 1969. I was there that day. They were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all got a good laugh at the tailgate that day. And I imagine some crafty Jets fans have some elaborate plans for for later today. And if you had a banner, what would it say? Right now, mine would say, wanted, offensive guru. Newsflash, Jets fans. If he was allowed back on the plane after losing to the miserable Dolphins last week, there really is no hope that it's going to happen. And Adam Schefter pretty much confirmed that at 5 p.m. yesterday. He said, and this is a quote, the team still wants to judge Gase over a larger body of work than half the season, one that has been plagued with injuries. Yep, that's your worst fears come to life if you're a Jets fan. The excuse train has left the station. The worst part is, the Jets' remaining schedule has eight games, four of which are against teams that are in the top six of the 2020 draft order. So the Jets have the great possibility to go four and four over the next eight, masking the atrocity that Gase has cultivated throughout the first eight weeks, where his team has gone one and seven. Shermer's been under fire for mismanaging the clock and questionable play calling. Both came to the forefront most egregiously, I'd say, in the home loss to the Arizona Cardinals. He wasted a timeout before a punt. And then on 3rd and 18, he let rookie quarterback Jones audible to a draw play, which obviously didn't work because then they were facing a 4th and 15 on their own 33 with 235 left. Jones fumbled the ball and basically sealed the game for the Cardinals. Then there was that curious two-point conversion call in the Lions game in the third quarter. It failed, and the Giants lost 31-26. He also saw, uh, he also, I saw, came under fire for not publicly addressing Janoris Jenkins' lack of hustle on that Blake Jarwin touchdown on Monday Night Football. But Carl Banks, I was listening, told Joe and Evan that he absolutely addressed it internally, inside the building. Honestly, that's kind of the way it should be done. Adam Gase, take a note. And, of course, they both have the young quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, but they've both struggled as as a recent. Their stat lines from Week 9 are almost identical. Daniel Jones, 26 for 41. Sam Darnold, 27 for 41. Jones, 210 yards. Darnold, 260. Both had a touchdown. Both had an interception. Daniel Jones decided he was going to add two fumbles to that mix. And Sam Darnold has infamously been seeing ghosts, and it's been reflected in his play. And Daniel Jones, while he isn't seeing ghosts, has had a count and mouse game with ball security. Believe it or not, uh, he's got seven fumbles over the last three games, including the strip sack fumble on Monday Night Football. And that reminds me of that Dos Equis commercial. I don't always fumble, but when I do, I really make it count. Cowboys translated two Jones turnovers directly to 10 points on Monday Night Football. The Jets lo- Giants lost by 19. And Forget about the Super Bowl. The MetLife Bowl is where it's at for these two teams, for this season anyway. On my super scientific Twitter poll, 75% of Giants fans think that the Giants are going to win this game. Or 75% of my followers think the Giants are going to win this game. And as for the New York Yankees, Yankees have been fairly quiet so far. However, their pitching staff department just went up a few levels. See what I did there? That was Avicii's levels. And the Yankees have hired a new pitching coach that does not cater to the nostalgia baseball crowd, but for the new age nerd like me. And no, his name isn't David Cohn. It's Matt Blake, and he's well-versed in the most cutting-edge pitching analytics. And I'm totally on board. You know me, I think by now. I've obviously done some research on this stuff, and my case study, with the information I found, included none other than, the, than Garrett Cole, when he moved from the Pirates to the Astros, and Justin Verlander, who moved from the Tigers to the Astros. Both embraced this new wave of coaching in Houston, and they are two of the three AL Cy Young finalists. So we're going to talk way more in detail about the methodologies behind it, and what Matt Blake could potentially do for the New York Yankees staff.
1: Uh-huh. Can't nobody hold me down. Oh no, I got to keep on moving. So that's
0: for the New York Mets. I, I picked that song, Can't Nobody Hold Me Down, Puff Daddy, when he was that, and Mace, because tomorrow the MLB will announce, among other things, the NL Rookie of the Year, which, after being denied the NL Silver Slug Award, can't nobody hold him down. Peter Alonso shouldn't win the NFL, the NFL, the NL Rookie of the Year. And then you had this story of the Mets' maligned closer, Edwin Diaz. He said, just because I've had one bad season doesn't mean I'm a bad pitcher. Well, can't nobody hold him down, I guess, because he thinks he's pinpointed the error of his ways, and he's got a game plan to rectify it. He will throw more bullpen sessions before the start of spring training next season in order to figure out his curveball. I think it's way more than that, actually. It's not just the curveball. I, in doing my research for tonight, I caught a trooling, truly telling sentence in one of his most recent interviews. And he was talking about Carlos Beltran's hiring. And, and the line was, he can give me some advice on how to handle the city better. Hmm, That gave me some pause for thought. And we'll talk extensively about that coming up. As far as the New York Knicks. Much, so am I
2: still waiting for this to stop hating.
0: And how's that for a little throwback? The New York Knicks fans might still be waiting for something really big. But for now, versus the Dallas Mavericks anyway, Frank Nilakina has figured out how to handle being the point guard in the big city. Bringing with confidence, he charged the basket and tried to dunk up and over Kristaps Porzingis, former Nick, despite the 13 inch height differential. Yes, I looked that up. Nilakina was obviously blocked but it really didn't matter. He was exuding confidence in all facets of his game on Friday night. His teammates took notice, and so did his coach. Fisdale said after the game that it was the best game he's seen or he's had since he's been in the league, and he's getting better and better, Neil Akina. Knicks fans might still be waiting for that playoff bid, but this might just be a turning point in their season, the pivotal win in Dallas over the Mavericks, who are now, after that loss, tied with the fifth-best record in this treacherous NBA West. And at the very least, the Knicks fans could rejoice in the fact that they have what seems to be a formidable young front court with Akina and Barrett. And we have obviously a lot on task tonight with the Giants and Jets. Uh, that's going to be interesting because they're not, we're not looking at them in isolation. We're looking at them against each other. And Kim Jones and I will, will touch on that. You got the showdown between the two premier running backs in that game. You have two coaches that are pretty much on the hot seat. You have two young quarterbacks. Who's going to step it up? Um, you got to think, in my opinion, I think Daniel Jones is going to have the better game. And we'll get into that a little bit later. And again, another one of my scientific polls is that it looks like there's going to be more Giants fans at MetLife Stadium than Jets fans. 53% said they were going. So we'll hit the calls after the break. All is on the table. I cannot wait to talk with you guys. The number is 877-337-6666. And again, we're going to be talking Mets, Yankees, Giants, Jets, Knicks, Nets. A little bit of Nets, I guess we can do. Um, And I want to talk also about Edwin Diaz. I want to talk about the new pitching coach for the Yankees. And the Knicks might have something in Frank Nielakina. I'm Danielle McCartan. After Midnight on The Fan, and he's Marco Belletti with The Update. And I'm Danielle McCartan, back with you guys on WFAN Radio, New York. New York, the best city in the world, in my opinion. And um, we have a Big Apple Bowl about to happen later today when the New York Giants travel across the hall, I guess, even, to take on the New York Jets. Uh, The Giants are 2-7, and the Jets are 1-7. and And one of the main storylines is, um, besides the fact that everybody is saying that they are not going to be tuning into this game, of course you are. You, you're going to be watching this game. I know you are. And even some of you guys are even going to go to the game. And I, I, my total official Twitter poll, which I, I mentioned before, seems to be that although it's a Jets home game, seems to be more Giants fans are going to be in the crowd. And I'm looking at StubHub right now. There are 1,045 tickets left starting at $123. So you don't need to tell me that, you know, you're not going to be watching and you're not that interested. There's the other storyline of Jamal Adams. Like I was just saying, grew up a Giants fan in Dallas because his father was a first-round selection by Bill Parcells' Giants in 1985. As you know, Adams was a first-round pick for Bulls's 2017 Jets. Giants running back Saquon Barkley, who grew up a Jets fan in the Bronx, his dad's going to be wearing a number 12 Joe Namath jersey. At MetLife later today, obviously, you've heard it. The one that Saquon barked, uh, bought him. And there will be a jersey exchange between the two. of And I'm sure, maybe, they might give those jer- each other's jerseys to their own fathers. And Adam said, uh, it means something to me. Every game, but especially this one. We're looking forward to this one. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. I wish Evan Ingram is playing because that's definitely who I wanted to match up with. That's one of my good friends. Hopefully he'll get back healthy and we will soon face off, but this is going to be a fun one. Coach Shermer on the Giants' side said, we need to slow down the Jets' run game. They have an outstanding runner, and they also have an outstanding young quarterback. They have the ability to score points. I think they're very opportunistic on defense. They're good against the run. They'll make you throw the ball. It's going to be a challenge. we got to play good football, and we got to do a better job all around to expect to win. Oh, and I have my prediction all right. We'll get to that in a little bit. CJ, you're on the fan. Danielle, how are you doing? Good, how are you? All right. You know,
3: talking about the jet Giant game tomorrow, I think the Giants should win this game fairly easily. Even though the Jets have a terrible record and the Giants have a bad record, so you think they might be even. But to look at the games that they played, the Jets have been thoroughly embarrassed and the Giants have hung in the first half of a couple of games. I actually think it's going to be... Uh, not-so-close game. I expect the Giants to win by at least
0: two touchdowns. That's my point. Ooh, CJ, thanks for the phone call. Two touchdowns, huh? Well, the point spread in Vegas, and Vegas is is right a lot of the time. The point spread is just three points. So to say that the Giants are going to win by two touchdowns, I don't know, and I, I'm not ready to reveal exactly what I think is going to happen yet, but, but CJ, Mount Holly, I... He's always one of the first callers every single night. If you guys want to jump on board, it's 877-337-6666. i got to say, I'll tell you this. I'll hint you this. I think the Giants do win this game. And CJ alluded to it because the Jets were thoroughly embarrassed. That's why I'm sitting here in a Dan Marino jersey. It's because my team, one of my teams in New York, the New York Jets, was embarrassed by JJ's Miami Dolphins. The winless Miami Dolphins up until that point. I mean, it's it's just embarrassing. It was just embarrassing. And there's, there's obviously goods and bads on both teams. Like, for example, Daniel Jones, he's got to work on his ball security. Seven fumbles in the last three games, including that strip sack fumbled touchdown versus the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. Is there a worse play that could happen in a football game? Then you getting strip-sacked, a fumble, obviously, and they pick it up and run it for a touchdown. I mean, that, that I, I don't know if it can get any worse. And the Giants are 25th in sacks allowed on the season. Then you got Sam Darnold, number 14 in green. Actually, the Jets are going to be wearing black tomorrow. and Those are my, my third favorite uniform combination of theirs out of three. If I'm ranking the Jets uniforms, first of all, I love the helmets. I love that they gave the little uh, ode to the what the '90s Giants. I mean, the '90s Jets that that I'm used to, that I grew up watching, the Winker Bet days. But if I'm ranking those uniforms, i would got to put maybe the white ones first, followed closely by the green. The black ones aren't even close. I don't really like the black ones. But anyway, so Sam Darnold wearing 14 in black tomorrow or later today. He's got six touchdowns on the season, nine interceptions. That's not a good ratio. Let's head out to the That's New Jersey. Anthony, you're on the fan.
3: Hi, how are you? I'm going to ask
4: you my question. I'm going to hang up and hear your answer. What do you got? I just want to know, you know, the the losing coach of this game. I just want to know what your prediction is for the losing coach of this game. Obviously, both coaches are on the hot seat Mm -hmm. for this game. All sound rivals. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what you think the losing coach of this game, or you think they're, um, you know, what the future is going to be if one of them loses to each other. I'm going to hang up and hear your
0: answer. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Anthony. Um, Yeah, for the Giants side, I'll take them first. I mean, I, I do not think the Giants are going to fire Pat Shermer after a loss to the Jets. I mean, that would be rock bottom for the Giants if they did lose this game to the Jets. I just don't see them doing it. And as far as the Jets are concerned, I mean, I've been on this radio every week making a case why Adam Gase, not that rhymed, making a case for Adam Gase, why he should not be in charge of the Jets anymore. And what I saw leading up to the game last week was an owner telling a fan that the Jets owner, Christopher Johnson, or part owner, whatever he is, COO, that you know he's hoping that his team shows up to the game. Well that's not something that someone with the ability to make change should be saying, number one. And if, in fact, they were going to make a change, it would have been after the Jets lost to the tanking for Tua Miami Dolphins. And the Jets just threw a wrench in those plans. So I, I, I don't think that, I mean, a win would probably be, I guess, meaningless for both teams, right? They can't move up in the standings, really. They can't make a playoff run, either of them. So a win wouldn't really mean anything. And quite frankly, I, I don't I don't think a loss would mean anything either. Kevin and Copay, you're on the fan. What's
3: up, Danielle? How are you? Good. I hear me out on Frankie Latina, some shades of Linsanity.
0: <laughs>
5: Cast out becomes talk of the town.
0: Well, Nilakina certainly is a talk of the town after that Mavericks game. That I'll give you. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Linsan, yeah, still one of the greatest memories. Yeah, I mean, it, and when Jeremy Lin made that run, I mean, it was electric in the city. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody was going out and buying Jeremy Lin jerseys. And Nilekina, I'm not sure he's that that fever pitch just yet. Um, but in watching that game, and honestly, I watched the replay. I, I tried to watch it Friday night. Um, but, you know, you really can't concentrate when you're out and trying to watch it. So I did watch the replay today and the post-game today. And, I mean, he just – he looks like he has grown into this role ever so incrementally over the past couple games. And, I mean, his teammates are behind him. His coach is behind him. And uh, the epitome of of Frank Nielakina's play the other night, Friday night, was – The dunk on Porzingis. And I know that was like a highlight, and I know that's like sort of like a cop-out sort of thing, but like he was, he went right up and at Porzingis. He was 13 inches taller than he is, and he tried to dunk up and over him. I mean, that to me, I mean, if you're not a confident player, you're not doing that. And even when he got rejected, I mean, it, it didn't even hinder him at all. And I know we have to temper this because the Knicks, what are they? What's their record? Two and seven, like like the Jets are, or the Giants or whatever. So, uh, you know, we have to temper this. But they didn't beat a bad team in the Dallas Mavericks, and that might have been the turning point of this. We might look back on this and say, listen, that might be the turning point of the season, because not for nothing the team is all pretty much brand new. Like these guys are playing with each other for the first time, you know, ever. We are only a few games into the season, let's just say. And it's all starting to gel. I mean, Fizdale's trying to put the pieces together and I agree he should have been doing it a little bit earlier, um, especially during the preseason. But, you know, it is what it is. RJ Barrett right now is not going to run the point and you can't expect a 19-year-old to run the point for the New York Knicks. You, you just can't do that. So shifting him over to the number two spot was, was ideal. And giving Frank Mielekina just the confidence and saying, "Like, listen, we're not going to take you out. So you can make all the mistakes you want, make your growing pains, have your growing pain mistakes, but we aren't going to take you out. And as a coach, that's an excellent move. And as a player, well, that's something you want from your coach, the little shot of confidence. And we could talk a lot more about that coming up later. Go back to Jets-Giants. Yankees hired their new pitching coach. Mets think Edwin Diaz is – or Edwin Diaz thinks he's going to make a little turnaround. And, of course, your phone calls, 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan after midnight on the fan.
6: This is Joe Beningo. Join me and Evan Roberts tomorrow. We'll break it down, the game of the year, between the Giants and the Jets on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Carl Banks will join us in his regular weekly spot, and we'll talk about the entire NFL schedule over the weekend. Also, the big weekend in college football, LSU, Alabama, Minnesota, Penn State, unbeaten teams playing against each other. Beningo Roberts, 10-1 on the fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM. New York.
0: And the game of the weekend, as you heard Joe Beningo say, the game of the weekend, of course, is going to be Giants and Jets, obviously. What else would you be watching? It's a 1 o'clock game on Fox, and you got a couple notable injuries and and outs and and doubtfuls and stuff. So Giants have Sterling Shepard out, Evan Ingram out, John Jalapio out. Shepard, you got to think that they're going to shut him down for the rest of the year. Concussion stuff. Um, that, that's serious stuff. It really is. And, and it becomes less about the game, more about the human being at that point. And um, Le'Veon Bell, he's listed as questionable, but I'm looking at the injury report from the. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday and limited on Friday, which makes me think he is going to play. Um, you got CJ Mosley already listed as out, and a slew of others listed, listed as either questionable or doubtful. And so, you know, you listen to Coach Sherman and what he has to say. And his message to the team this week was, you know, it's time for us to quit making those bad plays that affect the outcome of the play, the outcome of the game, in a way that we don't want it to happen. We are putting ourselves in a position to win, and now we've got to do it. And if they're going to do it, this is certainly the week to do so. Versus the lonely New York Jets, but the Giants have had some issues in the red zone, and. It was on clear display in the Monday night loss to the Cowboys. The Giants went one for five in the red zone, which proved to be the difference maker in the game because obviously, or maybe you didn't know Dallas entered that game with solid. They were the fifth best red zone red zone defense in the league. And they had opponents converting touchdowns only 46% of the time. But, When you have that many trips inside your opponent's 20, you got to capitalize more often if you're the New York Giants. And I'm not talking in terms of field goals. Fortunately for the Giants this week, the Jets are on the opposite end of the spectrum from the Cowboys when it comes to red zone defense. They're 29th in the NFL. Opponents score touchdowns 65% of the time. So when you look at the stats and everything of this game, when you look at the matchups, it's like, Okay, one point for the Giants, one point for the Jets, one point here. Advantage Giants, advantage Jets. And you're just going down the list and you're like, you get more confused the more deeper you look into this. If you guys want to talk about this, it's 877-337-6666. What do you think? Who's going to win this game? And what are the implications for the rest of the the season and the franchise moving forward? I mean, there's a lot riding on this 1 p.m. game that everybody says they're not going to watch. And I'm looking at terms of the Giants' red zone deficiencies. The most startling thing to me was the home-away split. The Giants punch it in 36% of the time when they're playing at home only. 60, they punch it in 64% of the time when they're playing away this season. It's a big split. Red zone, success. In terms of touchdown, 36% of the time at home, 64% of the time away. So I'm sitting home and I'm thinking, like, man, does MetLife Stadium create a home field advantage? Like an actual one? So I did a little research. The Giants' lifetime record at MetLife Stadium, and we're not talking Giants' stadium, we're talking MetLife. The Giants' lifetime record is 39-40 and there. The Giants' lifetime record at Giants Stadium was 162 in 121. So significantly better at old Giants Stadium. Jets' lifetime record at MetLife, just about 500, too, 38 in 39. But they were also just about 500 at the old stadium, 108 in 109 as a franchise. I don't know if you could make anything out of it maybe just the better giants teams were the ones that played those years i mean in the old stadium versus the new one i don't know i just i don't know metlife stadium to me is it's it's too big it's too big it's too cavernous the walls are too high up on the side and i'm i'm watching like i mean i'm i'm old school i guess in that sense i love the fenway parks of the world i love the Lambeau Fields of the world where the fans are sitting right on top of the benches, right on top of the players. Like, you know, if fan says something, players going to hear it. That I think is, is home field advantage. And I don't know. I, I just don't think it, I don't feel it. I, let's put it that way. I don't feel it at MetLife stadium. And I would be interested to, to ask a player that in the next interview that I do, whoever it may be. Um, I, I will ask them that because that's, that's curious to me. But I got two key matchups to watch in this game. Number one is going to be um, Daniel Jones. He, if this is the game to do it, he's going to have to do it this game because he has to expose the weakness in the Jets' secondary. I think he does. I think Daniel Jones is going to have a career day. So if you don't have a quarterback or your quarterback has a bye week this week in your fantasy league, I think you, you pick up Daniel Jones if he's available. Because... I think especially with Saquon Barkley as a wide receiver, well, as a receiver, because not, like Barkley has the third most catches on the Giants this season, and he's only played in six games. So obviously he's a favorite target of Daniel Jones, and why wouldn't he be? Why shouldn't he be, right? He's one of the most dynamic players in the game of football at this point. Then I looked at how the Jets fare against running backs as receivers. The short answer is not good. And I'm sure Saquon Barkley was picked first in your league, so I'm sure he's not an option. So that's why I'm saying go with Daniel Jones because the Jets can't contain running backs in the passing game. I mean, they're ranked tied for 27th in the league in receptions per running back per game. They're 26th in the league in terms of the receiving yards given up for running back per game. And Barkley's been on a little bit of a tear, as I told you last week. And then he performed. I said he was going to be a player to watch, especially as a receiver. And guess what? He was. He had six receptions for 67 yards. Almost a touchdown, I believe. Almost. And Barkley, over the past two weeks, 14 receptions for 146 yards. So I looked at the Jets' defense at that point. I'm like, all right, well, well, who's going to be covering him? Neville Hewitt, Neville Hewitt, who has missed the last three games with neck and knee injuries, and even if, even if he is 100% healthy, he's terrible in coverage. He's allowed 15 receptions on 19 targets for a league worst, 169 yards per reception, and that's among linebackers. So he lets the receiver, whoever he's covering, catch the ball 79% of the time. That's terrible. But I just checked the uh, injury report and he's listed as doubtful. So who else could it be? James Burgess. Burgess. That's probably who it's going to be. He received Pro Football Focus's lowest coverage grade among all linebackers in Week 8 when he attempted, to no avail, to stick with running back Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. So I think... For this reason, Saquon Barkley is going to have a huge game. And Pat Shermer should really be looking at this. And I hope that he is. That the mismatch that Saquon Barkley is going to create versus the Jets' second level of defenders as a receiver. As a runner, but as a receiver as well. And I'm telling you, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a career day versus these Jets, especially because the Jets, and we can get into this a little bit later, have n- not much of a secondary they're thin at cornerback and they're thin at linebacker like we just talked about. My second key for the game, first, Daniel Jones. Second is going to be the Giants defensive line and Darnold under duress. Like that alliteration there, Darnold under duress. So the Giants have posted three, three more than three sacks in six of their nine games. And fortunately for the Jets, unfortunately that is, they have yet to have a combination that seems to work on the offensive line. They've had to play eight different offensive linemen, at least 100 snaps due to injuries and and whatnot, on the Jets' offensive line. Kaleccio Semli, injured reserve, out for the year. Ryan Khalil missed last week with a knee injury. Who knows if he's going to play this week. Third-round draft pick, Chuma Edoga, had to start at left, left tackle last week, and we talked about him once before. I want him to do well, but when the draft profile says his most uh, closest match, a closest NFL player match, whatever, is Beachum, Kelvin Beachum, that doesn't bode well for him. And as a result, Jets quarterbacks have been sacked on a higher percentage of their dropbacks than any other team in the league, the entire league. That's 12.5%. And when, according to Pro Football Focus, when, when facing pressure this season, Sam Darnold has completed only 31 of 63 passes, 303 yards, four touchdowns, and this big one, six interceptions. He's got to be smarter with the football. He cannot wing the ball up, play backyard football like, like we saw at the goal line last week. He can't do it. Throw it away. And that's where his coach has to be in his head. Throw it away. Throw it away. Practice it all week. Throw it away. Throw 100 balls away next in the practice during the week. Practice that. Then there's this. You got Leonard Williams, the first player in Jets or Giants history to start a game for each team in the same season in history. Think about that. The only player to play for both Jets and Giants in the same regular season game. He said that the Giants defense is similar to Todd Bowles' defense. Is this game personal? Well, he said, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. I want to take the personal things out of the game, and you really want to play with the same way every week and stay level-headed. I'm not going to say there's a chip on my shoulder, but at the same time, I'm excited to play against them. I know all of them. I feel like I know some things and some keys that I think can help this team out, his Giants team, in going against the Jets. And I'm going to tell you that. Leonard Williams will have the Giants defensive line prepared for everything. Make no mistake about it. I know I would. If a team trades me, and then I get to see them a couple weeks later, I am spilling all the secrets. For sure. Especially since he had, I mean, he would probably was extra studying that playbook for this reason, because he was on the trade block. Everybody knew that. And now, a little bit of Let's say revenge for Leonard Williams. Let's see. But if, if Adam Gase's Jets can figure this out, well, the Giants haven't re- been really good in passing defense. They're 25th in giving up passing yards per game. They're 27th in the quarterback rating against. and They're 29th in yards per completion. So like I said, advantage Giants, advantage Jets. Next line item, advantage Giants, advantage Jets. It's just like a pick 'em game, really. And I took to my world famous Twitter poll at Coach MCCARTAN. And I asked, okay, Giants and Jets fans, who wins the MetLife Bowl on Sunday? 75% of you said the Giants are going to win. That leaves obviously 25% saying the Jets. And you got the two and seven New York Giants at the one in seven New York Jets. Vegas has Giants, three-point favorites. And it's gonna be cold, I think, tomorrow, right? And I see this as a sloppy, fumbly, interception-y, believe it or not, shootout style game. And I'm gonna go Giants in this and way over the over-under, as predicted by Vegas. I'm gonna go Giants 35. Jets thirty-one, and that game is at on Fox at one PM Eastern, and it's just for those for those reasons. I think Daniel Jones is going to have a career day. Saquon Barkley might even as well. The Jets have a secondary that's absolutely decimated, especially at the cornerback position, and not that he was any good to begin with. But Trumaine Johnson is is out for the season at corner for the Jets. And then, I I just, I, I don't know. Le'Veon Bell hasn't, and he's been on my my free league fantasy team. He hasn't gotten going. Maybe this is the game that he does. Who knows? But I am sticking with this. I'm going Giants 35, Jets 31. We'll hear from Kim Jones in a little while. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan.
2: Sports Radio 101.9 FM.
0: 66 WFAN Hey, good morning everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan back with you on The Fan. McCartan after midnight. maybe may in the morning at this point. 3.06 a.m. in Lower Manhattan in the Mike Francesa studio. Yeah, uh, I'm coming to you uh, with my Dan Marino jersey on. And as you know, that might have been a bet, or that was a bet between JJ and I, that if the Jets beat the Dolphins, he'd give me a Jets chant. And uh, if the Dolphins beat the Jets, which they did, I had to come here this week wearing this weird teal number 13 on my back and merino across my shoulders. So um, let's hit some calls. 877-337-6666. We have the MetLife Bowl this week, today, later today. And... You know what? It's it's the only bowl game that the Jets and Giants are going to see, at least for this year. And, you know, every week I come on here, I do my, my Adam Gase impression at, at his press conference. I picked out the most ridiculous lines from his press conferences. And you know what? I got to tell you something. I got to be honest. After that loss in Miami, I didn't even bother to watch it. Don't care. Don't care enough to watch it. I don't know how. They didn't have the guts to give them the axe, give them the pink slip right then and there. Not during a game, but right after it, or even right when they got back, they had all the chances and they didn't do it. Now, I guarantee you, you're going to, you've already seen a plane flying over the the, the Hudson River saying to fire gaze now. And... It's it's just reached a new level of embarrassment. The Jets can't ever seem to get it right, and that goes without saying that if the Giants lose to them, I mean the Jets have already hit rock bottom in that loss to the to the uh, to the Dolphins. But if the Giants lose to the Jets later today, look out. That is going to be rock bottom. The New York Giants. And, Pat, if I had a plane, a banner to hang behind my plane, I think mine would say, wanted offensive guru. What would yours say?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. I would probably say something along the lines of, can't solve, gays can't solve any case. <laughs> I like the. the I would the, probably try to go a little rhyme with it. Yeah. Try to be a little bit funny.
0: Yeah. Because you can't solve the Darnold case for sure. He
1: can't solve any case. He doesn't have any clues. Yeah,
0: blitzing linebackers untouched through the line. Nothing. Nope. No pickup on that. <laughs> so we got some good options. You guys want to load it up? I want to hear what you what you would put behind your plane as a Jets fan. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. As we head out to Peter, you're on the fan.
4: Do you know what my plane would say?
0: Keep it clean, please. Marry me. <laughs>
4: um, okay. It is week 10 or week 11, whatever.
7: Yeah, 10.
4: This is building up for next year. Adam Gates and Shermer see what they have on their roster and start to judge for next season. If you played sports, if you listen to Bill Mazur, you learn a lot about sports, along with Sal Marciano and Len Berman. And uh, you um, you judge what you have. Like right now, I'm watching the Billy Martin story. Before that was Willie really Stargell. Because frankly, right now for me, sports is dead until March with spring training.
0: You won't even turn into a, ba- a basketball game?
4: Basketball? Hockey? It has to be good.
0: Oh, the, now, the Islanders I, are good. I,
4: when I was young, we used to listen on the radio and watch on black and white TV Willis Reed and Will Chamberlain.
0: Yeah, there you go.
4: Those were basketball players. Those were stars. Dave Schultz, Esposito. Those were my hockey heroes. Until they start to show they are mature adults and they deserve my money at the uh, ticket style, I will not go. This is a game for children. They must have a good etiquette of presenting themselves that it's still a game for children and not money, because then you change the persona of the person. When you're in high school, your dream is to make the newspaper, make the championship, make the team. Now, as soon as they get into college, you know, when they say that college players should be paid, those people should be kicked out of college. They do not get paid. They are amateurs until they prove themselves on the fields of Joe Namath and uh, the greatest running back in Giant history. And I'm going to let you name him, Frank Gifford.
0: Peter, thanks for the call. Um, Listen, uh, he brought up two very interesting arguments there. And one is the paying for the athletes. um, The collegiate athletes is number one. And we could talk about that if you guys want. The other one I thought was pretty interesting that he brought up just now, Peter, was um, the fact, you know, I think he was alluding to it, but he didn't say it, about um, the NBA players taking these rest days, these games off. I mean, I, I guess I get it because in the long term, the the goal is to extend your career by taking a few days off here and there to preserve your body and, and et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I think the NBA has a problem. It's just getting started. You see Kawhi Leonard did it this week. What if you're a fan that paid all the thousands of dollars to see Kawhi Leonard play? What if you're a fan? That pays the thousands of dollars, or you know, not even. It doesn't even have to be that much money. It could be you scraping together a couple hundred, even, because that's what it costs nowadays. You know, eight dollars for a soda, fifteen dollars for chicken fingers, seventy-five for the ticket, and and then not to mention to get into Manhattan from New Jersey, because that's where my perspective is. What is it? Fifteen dollars for the bridge, eighty-five to park, hundred upwards, maybe a hundred dollars to park. It costs a lot of money to go to games, and when when you go to games you kind of expect to see the star player playing. Whether he's just going to start, maybe play the first quarter at least. I mean, I, I don't know. But I think the NBA has a huge problem on their hands and they need to get out in front of it before that. And as far as paying the kids for college, see, I'm on the fence with this. I'm not sure. I, I don't know what the right answer is because on the one side... Um, you know, they are amateur athletes. They should not get paid, you know. But on the other side, they put so much time into it that they can't, they don't have the time to get an on-campus job. Forget about that. They're they're You look into the stands, they had jerseys on in the stands at the LSU game today. And, you know, I, I think it's got to be some part of Revenue share because if you're going to wear somebody's jersey without without a last name on it because that's how they sell them, I mean, why don't you just put the last name on it and give the kid 0.5 percent of every jersey sale? We, you know, that caller referenced Frank Gifford and Joe Namath, but you know, we're in 2019. We're beyond the days of J- Frank Gifford and Joe Namath. We're in the we're in the 21st century where there's video games with their name and likeness and their skill set. That they're not being compensated for. So if I f- if it sounds like I'm leaning toward paying the athletes, I wouldn't say like here's a stipend. I mean, and then the other side is of course they get the free education most of them anyway, and I'm still paying for my education ten years later, and that's got to be worth something. And I I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm fluctuating between between it, but I I think. Really deep down, I, I really do think that the athletes should be paid paid at the collegiate level as part of some sort of like revenue share program. Because let's be honest, these these guys generate millions of dollars. I'm I'm watching LSU Alabama highlights right now. These guys are generating millions of dollars in, in TV sales in TV, in ads, in ticket sales, in merchandise sales, et cetera, et cetera. And to just give them with a free education And I say just, as I still pay my my college loans back. But, I mean, there's got to be something more to that. Give them a piece of all the ticket sales. And that almost would make them a vehicle to drive ticket sales. You know? Or, I mean, even just autographing items and, and being able to sell them. Maybe through the school store only. And to get a cut of it. I mean, there's ways to work around this, and I think the days of Joe Namath, and 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 uh, Frank Gifford, they're over. And I think that you gotta you gotta pay the kids, and, and you can't, and you have to. Pay, I think, in my opinion, spread it evenly. You can't be paying the quarterback more than a lineman, and it's got to be the big schools and little schools have to share, in the revenue share, you know, in the same way. Maybe operate it like a luxury tax in in baseball, because obviously, you know, the teams that are going to get more of the money you're going to attract more of the amateur athletes to go to there. You're not going to want to go to a Rutgers if Penn State's going to pay athletes higher, a higher rate. So there's got to be a system developed. It's time. It's it's time. And it's got to be done the right way from the outset because to change it, it's going to be a real big headache. I'm Danielle McCartney on The Fan. We'll take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. Oh. Hey, you guys just want to talk some sports? <laughs> I know that was cheesy. Jets, Giants, we have today coming up later today. I'm Danielle McCartan on the Fan W F A N, Lower Manhattan, New York, and listen, we got the MetLife Bowl going on. We've talked a little bit about it, and I've did a deep dive into this MetLife Bowl. Let me tell you this: and a, a trend for the Jets in a positive way and a negative way is that when The plays are scripted, right? It seems as though the Jets fare a lot better. They've scored on their opening possession for the past two games straight, which then makes me, this is the bad part, question Adam Gase's play-calling ability because with help, they score. When he doesn't have help, they don't score. And I had a, a late addition to the what will my plane say on Twitter. And that comes from, uh, let's see the username, Skelso888. He says, my banner would say please sell the Jets. <laughs> Simple, right to the point. Please sell the Jets. Okay. Another matchup you might want to watch, and we'll get to your calls after the after uh, after I go over this, 877 337 is that the Jets are so thin at cornerback and it doesn't bode well. For this game in particular, because it Giants and Daniel Jones, they need to capitalize on this because entering play, Jets opponents have a 130.4 quarterback rating on passes that travel 20 yards in the air this season. Highest in the NFL. So if I'm Daniel Jones, I'm taking some shots over 20 yards because the Jets, based on the numbers, cannot defend it. And furthermore, no team in the NFL is worse than Defending third downs of more than six yards than the Jets. They allow opponents to convert on 33% of third down opportunities. That's just brutal. The defense just can't get off the field. And how could you attempt to put up points if your defense can't get off the field? Let's head out to English Town. Richie, you're on the fan.
4: Hey, Danielle. How are you? Nice to talk to
0: you again. Yeah, good. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. Anytime. Very good, thanks.
4: Uh, hey, listen, we, we should definitely have some fun with this one here. I mean, we, we're we not really playing so much this year, you know, going for this MetLife Bowl. And, uh, I mean, hey, listen, we should do a little showcase showdown with the coaches here, right? And winner winner, winner goes on and loser goes home, man. Let's, let's <laughs> so, get these guys out of here. Sounds more like think Survivor I, I to me. Have, I don't think you ever have more people praying for a tie in your life be <laughs> <This is> crazy. <laughs> have a good time with it.
0: Let's enjoy it. I mean, got
4: much else to play for. Exactly,
0: I know. And this is this is the uh, the Big Apple Bowl. Thanks, Richie, for the call. And yeah, we will have fun with it. I mean, because it's in my opinion, this is going to be a sloppy game. This is going to be full of fumbles, full of turnovers, full of scoring. I mean, maybe I will buy a ticket to this game for a hundred and twenty three dollars on on StubHub.
1: It's almost like one of those WWE retirement matches the loser has to retire. I mean, like, the loser gets fired. They still have those? I don't know. I haven't watched WWE since I was, like, 14. Yeah, me too. But I would assume they probably do it once in a while.
0: I go back to the Stone Cold Steve Austin days on WWE. He was my favorite.
1: I think the last time they did it was they had. It was uh, Ric Flair. It was not too long ago.
0: <laughs> that, you would know better than me than that, I think. Because <laughs> I haven't tuned in since. I was Stone Cold Steve Austin in sixth grade for Halloween. <laughs>
1: Can you imagine though? <laughs> Can you imagine like the headlines? Like how much of a circus that would be if they actually attempted to propose that? No one would game? agree to that. No way. Never.
0: Never. No. And that that would. And then you know what? They maybe they would end it in a tie on purpose. I don't know. I mean, but we are we are in a dire situation for New York sp- football and New York sports really. I mean, I was looking at the the Islanders record, and they have more wins than what was it than the Jets. Giants, Knicks. There's, I think one other team combined. The Islanders have won more games. Uh, That's, that's, uh, that's ridiculous. That's unheard of. Considering the fact that the Jets have played what? eight, eight, Eight games and the Giants have played what? The same eight games or seven and eight, whatever it is. And I want to talk to you guys about the optics of the second half of this season. Perspective. Let's put this into perspective because for both teams, if the season ended today, here's the draft order first, Cincinnati Bengals, second, Washington Redskins, third, your New York football Jets, fourth, the tanking for Tua Miami Dolphins. Fifth pick in the 2020 draft, if its season ended today, would be the Atlanta Falcons. And I wish I could cut it there, but the Giants are sixth. The one in seven Jets' remaining schedule I also took a look at over the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight remaining games. They've got games versus the New York Giants, who are in the top six. The Washington Redskins, who are in the top six. Cincinnati, who's first overall, they are the worst team in the NFL, and Miami. So if you add, let's say, say the Giant, the Jets win these games, one, two, including the Giant game tomorrow or later today, one, two, three, four. You got the Jets at one in one, two, three, four. What's that? Seven, eight, nine, 11. So you got the Jets at five and 11, which doesn't look so bad. It doesn't look like their coach should have been fired midseason. It doesn't look like they're, you know, quarterback had such a bad season after he came back from, from having mono. It doesn't look like it's so bad after he came back after seeing ghosts. 5-11 and 11 isn't so bad. And maybe they get lucky versus a Pittsburgh. Maybe. Then then you're at 6-10, which isn't so bad. That's just the optics of the remaining schedule. Then you look at the Giants. The Giants have are sitting at 2 and 7. Their remaining schedule is a lot tougher in the teams that they play that are not in the top 6. I mean, they've got the Jets t- today. They go to Chicago, Green Bay, twice in Philadelphia, but then they also play the Dolphins and they also play the Redskins. So, let's just chalk up one, two, three more wins for the for the Giants. If they do in fact beat the Jets that puts it at 5. And let 's put them at oh, look at that. They would end up at five and eleven as well. That I think though, is a little bit more disappointing if I 'm a Giants fan with everything they have going for them, and I 'm looking at five and eleven for the Giants. I mean they 're both disappointing, but I just think the Giants would be just a little bit more disappointing if they ended up at five and eleven. head out to Jackson Heights, New Jersey Paul you 're on the fan.
8: Oh, Jackson Heights in Queens.
0: Oh, Queens. I'm sorry.
8: That's the real Jackson Heights, not the fake one in New Jersey. Oh, uh,
0: the Jackson where Six Flags is.
8: Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry I'm about that. Queens. All right. You're great. Anyway. Thank you.
0: What do you got for me? Tonight? Okay.
8: Now I'm I'm a Jets fan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty disgusted. I I'm sure I like the Giants too, but I'm way more of a Jets fan. I think the Giants are going to win tomorrow. Not because I'm rooting for them, but I think uh Adam Gase is a mess. I think your your um predictions of thirty points per team is a little bit high.
0: Vegas. I'd think be surprised so
8: too. if I think if the Jets score um two touchdowns that would be a lot. <laughs> Hello?
0: Yes, yes, I'm here. Two touchdowns oh, and is a you lot. You know what really Jets.
8: gets me? If I was a Jets, I would um design my offense around uh, Le- Le'Veon Bell.
0: Rocket science, you know? right?
8: I mean, the guy. Why don't, you, why don't they put some blockers in front of the dude, you know? Why don't they just, like, have these plays where, you know, like he he can show how great he is? And that way, in the meantime, Darnold could get experience of being a quarterback, and this is East Coast. Just because it's a passing league doesn't mean he can't go back to the run. And maybe the run might be good, might switch things up and give the Jets a few more victories. If they win two more games this season, I would be surprised. And I'm a Jets fan since 1969, because of my father. We all love Joe Willie, name it. Mm. And uh, I don't know, put him in there if we need to. I don't know what to say.
0: (laughs) And Paul, thanks for the call. In Jackson Heights, Queens, that is. I mean, you don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And clearly Adam Gase doesn't know what to say either. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, you have to, I mean, I don't know why the offense isn't running through him more than it, it is. And is it Adam Gase being stubborn because he didn't want him here to begin with? That could possibly be it. But Le'Veon Bell, as we've seen with the one of the greatest offensive lines he's played with in, in Pittsburgh, is that he's a patient runner. And he waits and waits and waits, and then bursts through the hole, and the jets just don't have the offensive line to sustain that sort of a runner. What might help this week is the jets are going to have two tight ends back in the mix. you got first you got Chris Herndon coming back for his season debut for the one and seven jets, but a nice surprise has for the jets has been Ryan Griffin, the tight end he's six six two hundred and fifty five pounds, and over the last two weeks he's had ten catches. 116 yards and two touchdowns. And one, it should have been three, but one was called back versus the Dolphins. So why don't you put some formations out there, some sets where you have two two tight end sets? Because your offensive lineman clearly can't block uh, effectively enough for Le'Veon Bell. So why not put two tight ends out there? I'd like to see that set where, where Ryan Griffin and Chris Herndon are in the game at the same time. That might provide Sam Darnold with an extra precious second to get rid of the ball. Because the Jets' quarterbacks have been sacked 37 times this season. The second highest in the league. You know what that means? That means the Jets are averaging over 4.5 sacks a game. I mean, op- opponents are averaging 4.5 sacks a game versus the New York Jets. That's That's awful. No wonder why Sam Darnold doesn't look comfortable in the pocket. No wonder why he's throwing off his back foot. No wonder why he's looking over his shoulder. And how's this? The Jets have a pitiful, worst in the league, worst in the league, 1.5 red zone scoring attempts per game. How's that for offensive guru Adam Gase? If you've got callers on WFA and radio and hosts on WFA and radio coming up, with schemes for your offense in order to spring your running back, and it doesn't seem like Adam Gase could could figure that out. I mean, I, I just don't know. You know, and there was something else that startled me. I almost fell out of my chair. I love that saying, but Robbie Anderson does not have a drop this season, according to Pro Football Focus. As I looked into the NFL Next Gen stats, he it also says he doesn't have a drop this season. And we're going to head out to Jackson, New Jersey this time. Sam, you're on the fan.
9: Yeah, I wanted to tell you that what I think happened with why the Jets lost last week wasn't because they were worse than the Miami Dolphins. I think that they wanted to wait for this week to be able to beat the Giants while not losing out in their lottery.
0: Um, I don't know if you could totally control that. I, 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 I don't know. There's no psychology to all this, and thanks for the call, Sam. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in this like Bowl because, like I said, it's like advantage here, Jets. Advantage there, Giants. Jets, Giants, Jets, Giants. I'm going way on the over for the points scored per game, but that's just me. I think it's going to be a sloppy game. Um, and we'll uh, we'll talk to Kim Jones, actually, after this break. Um, Nice, insightful. Oh, a nice, insightful interview. Uh, That'll be a 420. Sorry about that, Pat. That'll be a 420, Kim Jones, after the break. Um, And so, I don't know. We got a MetLife Bowl that everybody says they're not watching, yet everybody is going to be watching. And um, we got a bunch of other things going on. Yankees have hired a new pitching coach. Edwin Diaz seems to think that he's got it right for the Mets. And maybe we'll talk some baseball right after the break. You can load up the phone calls there in the meantime, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan.
3: Cake
1: ever
10: it was my fifth birthday and my dad was bringing home the cake
1: should have been here a half hour ago
10: the cake never made it and neither did my dad what's your emergency? that was the day a drunk driver killed my dad Daddy? impaired drivers take lives think
11: sponsored by the new york state governor's traffic safety committee aired in cooperation with the new york state broadcasters association
10: Father and son, 8.30 a.m. tea time. Honey, remember Abby's soccer practice. (sighs) Mom and daughter getting ready for soccer.
0: Don't forget your shin guards.
10: And Serta Pro Painters is painting their home on this glorious day. At SertaPro, we create a customized project plan, complete projects on time, and treat your home with care and respect. Schedule your free estimate today at certapro.com That's Serta with a C. Surtapro.com. We do painting, you do life. Each Serta Pro painter's business is independently owned and operated. Town Fair Tire is Connecticut's largest discount tire dealer. We honor every manufacturer's
6: rebate and all our competitors' rebates, too. For the guaranteed lowest price, nobody beats Town Fair Tire. Nobody!
10: There's a common assumption about identity theft. A lot of people believe it's just credit card fraud, but credit card fraud isn't the only form of identity theft. If you're just helping protect your identity by monitoring your credit and checking your bank statements, you could miss some forms of identity theft, like your information being sold on the dark web, someone getting an online payday loan in your name, or even someone changing your address without your authorization. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to detect and alert you to a wide range of identity threats. And if you have a problem, one of their U.S.-based restoration specialists will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But with LifeLock, they can help you see threats that you might otherwise miss by just monitoring your credit. Join now and get an additional 10% off your first year by using promo code AWARE. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to lifelock.com. Use promo code AWARE, that's AWARE, for an extra 10% off. Want to hear your favorite WFN podcast? We make it easy-peasy. Download and subscribe for free on the Radio.com app, WFAN.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcast platform. Whether it's fan podcasts or making sure you can take WFN with you anywhere and everywhere, it's a great marriage. Not like a momentary lapse of reason type of marriage. Say I do with no regrets. Radio.com and The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM, and Sports Radio 66, WFAN, and WFAN-FM New York. A radio.com sports station.
6: Those sounds can be overwhelming. Digital is everywhere. You know your business needs to be where the eyes are, but who do you trust? Entercom has the solution. Working with the digital team at Entercom, you'll always know where your budget is going and see results in real time. Being a Google Premier Partner enables Entercom to maximize your campaigns. Plus, with a full digital product suite and exclusive access to our Radio.com platform, your business will have a captive audience. You're going to like that and your return. That's
11: a sale for you. Go
6: to Intercom.com.
2: W F A N 2020
11: Sports. Good morning at 3:40. I'm Marco Belletti. Well, two teams going in the wrong direction will square off today at MetLife. Is the one and seven Jets host the two and seven Giants? The Gang Green has dropped three straight with Sam Darnold throwing eight interceptions combined in those games. But he insists that will not affect his confidence.
1: I mean, it can't. Uh, you know, for me, I'm I'm confident in my game and how I prepare. So. With that
11: being said, you know it's not going to waver. Meanwhile, Leonard Williams gets an up close look at his former club charged with trying to hold down Le'Veon Bell.
12: Everyone knows who Le'Veon is in this league. Um, You know, no matter what stats or anything he has um, any year, everyone knows how talented that guy is. Uh, He's one of the best backs in the league.
11: Jets and Giants this afternoon with coverage right here on the Fan at eleven thirty. For the first time since 2011, LSU got the best of Alabama. They raced out to a 20-point lead at the break, able to hold off a late comeback to knock off the Crimson Tide 46-41.
6: Coming here, I felt like, you know what, we got it. We finally got the tools that we need. We finally got the players that we need. We finally got the coaching staff that we need to beat these guys.
11: Head coach Ed Orgeron, who got 457 total yards and three touchdowns from Heisman hopeful Joe Burrow, but he's still thinking big picture.
1: You know, one thing I want to make sure that we know is this wasn't our goal this year. We got, we got more goals ahead of us. This, we, didn't, we didn't go into the season and say, we're, we're going to go beat Alabama. You know, we got we got more things ahead of
11: us. Now, it's very easy wins for Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Florida, Notre Dame. Minnesota upset number four, Penn State 31-26, while Oklahoma needed a stop on a two-point try with just 24 seconds left to hold off Iowa State 42-41. Locally wins for Army and Columbia, losses for UConn and Fordham, and at Yankee Stadium, Dartmouth, erased race Princeton 27-10. Hockey, Scott Mayfield, the go-ahead tallying the third. Islanders clipped the Panthers 2-1. Thomas Grice, 37 saves. Matt Barzell, the other tally. And in college hoops, number 12, scene: Hall, Rock Stony Brook 74-57. But Miles Powell left for what's being called a significant ankle injury. St. John's, they pounded Central Connecticut, 87-57. UMass, top Fairfield, 62-60. St. Francis, Trim Lafayette, 73-72. Hofstra lit up Monmouth, 94-74. And LaSalle outlasted Iona, 70-64 in overtime. With reports every 20 minutes, Marco Belletti, WFA, in 20/20 Sports.
6: This is Joe Beningo. Join me and Evan Roberts tomorrow. We'll break it down, the game of the year, between the Giants and the Jets on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Carl Banks will join us in his regular weekly spot, and we'll talk about the entire NFL schedule over the weekend. Also, the big weekend in college football, LSU, Alabama, Minnesota, Penn State, unbeaten teams playing against each other. Beningo and Roberts, 10-1 on the fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM. New York.
0: Pat, this is a perfect song. Uh oh, you need to calm down. This is perfect. This summarizes the New York Jets and New York Giants game coming up later today. They need to just stop. I, this is this is making me laugh. It's perfect. This is good. And as I was just saying, there was something that startled me before that Robbie Anderson does not have a drop this season according to pro football focus i wanted to really flush this out because and then i i cross referenced it f- pro football focus with nfl's next gen stats and it's true but his quarterback's rating when he's targeted is a measly 53.6 and that is the new york jets number 1 receiver question mark What I need to see out of this next set of Jets receivers is receivers that fight for contested balls because Anderson's catch rate on those kind, 12.5%. Brandon Marshall was great at that. That guy was a physical receiver. The Jets need to get back to that. They need to find somebody that's going to be like that, whether that be in a draft, which I have not yet looked at, so don't even call about that. It is still week 10 of the NFL season. We're not there yet, but they need to find a physical receiver. That is going to be what is mostly really going to help Sam Darnold, a guy that can go go up there, prevent an interception, and maybe even come down with uh, with a uh, reception because you know what? Robbie Anderson, it's not him. And I hate to tell you guys, but if Robbie Anderson was on any other team, imagine Robbie Anderson on the Patriots, let's just say. He wouldn't even make the team. You got Mohammed Sunu, who's like their third receiver, who just came over from the Falcons as being one of their top guys. Robbie Anderson wouldn't be a number one on anybody else's team. Well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe the Dolphins. You know, what, you know what I'm trying to say. Let's head out to Montville, New Jersey. I was there uh, the other night. Charles, you're on the fan.
9: Oh, hi. I just had a kind of a broad question about the Jets and Giants in general. Like, don't you think that both teams being so bad is kind of a just a bad reflection on New York City in general?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
9: Yeah, like I mean, because I don't know. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, other than the Yankees, really, like most of the teams around here aren't that good. <laughs>
0: you know, and that and, and, right now, at least. you know, I was thinking about the same thing too. I mean, the Islanders are good. Don't forget them, but. I was thinking. About, oh yeah, the Islanders. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you know, because that whole controversy of you know is Brooklyn cooler than Manhattan or whatever. I mean, I was thinking about it at that point too. Like, you know what? We really don't have many good teams. Like, what is what is cool? Like, Milwaukee. Milwaukee seems to be cool, and I was there over the summer. But you know, they have they attracted a nice big free agent over there. I, I don't know. It's just I just think that all all other cities are becoming more cool. This is what I, this is my conclusion. Other cities are becoming more cool. Which in turn then makes New York less cool. If that makes any sense. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. How do you explain yeah, it?
9: Yeah, I just say maybe we just need better management and better owners. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's not going to change, Charles. Thanks for the call. Yeah, you're not going to convince a billionaire to sell a team. I just wish that they would see that in winning. Winning brings more money. <laughs> um, I don't know, Pat, what do you think? Why is New York not no longer, I don't know, a good sports town?
1: That's a good question. I think some of it, uh, a minimal, minimal part of it, has to do with the fact that nowadays with social media and how advanced technology is, even though we're still the number one media market, it's not like it was maybe 20, 30 years ago where New York was, you know, still dominated the media and places like Milwaukee didn't get a lot of attention. Nowadays, Again, with, you know, with Twitter and social media and everything, somebody from the Bucks or somebody from you know, the Brewers or even in a place like Cincinnati can make just as much headlines because of Twitter and Instagram and everything else like that. And then the second thing, I just think that you know, a lot of people just care about, care about the money. If you, get, if you get seven years at $250 million, that's where you're going, whether it's New York or yeah, whether it's Dallas or Houston or wherever.
0: And, and that's a good point, too, because then you got, like, uh, it just spurred my thought of two things there, and I just jotted them down real quick. Garrett Cole, you got to, I mean, he's going to follow the money wherever that lands him, whether that be in Anaheim, which is not L.A., by the way. It's outside of L.A., been there, too. You know, the Yankees, I mean, can attract him with the money, of, of course, but are they going to go over that luxury tax? Who knows? And another thing I was thinking of, too, fantasy sports let's just say, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, hockey even, there's less like teamdom. Like there's more individual fans of individual players so that you're following your player in their market. You're following, if Christian Yelich is on your team, Christian Yelich is on your team, you're following him in Milwaukee. If Manny Machado is on your team, you're paying close attention to him in San Diego. And here in New York, we don't really talk about Christian Yelich or Manny Machado unless they are noteworthy playing one of our teams here.
1: I think that's especially true in the NBA now. Yeah. And I forget who said that on this on this station the other day, but I I was thinking the exact same thing. The NBA, people follow the players now more than they do teams.
0: I know, and 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 that's I think where people are trying to get the MLB to go in that direction. People are trying to get the MLB to just do less marketing of teams and more marketing of players. And you saw that actually in the playoffs when they had the just let him play commercials where they had, what is it? Bellinger on it. They had judge on it and all that. And I think that, you know, to reach the younger generation, the MLB kind of has to adapt to that.
1: Yeah. Largely because the MLB's marketing of the players and the stars for the most part has been atrocious.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I, and I. It's the greatest point, someone said it, I forget who said it, Mike Trout, the best player in the game of baseball, from New Jersey, near Philadelphia, but he's from New Jersey. How many people would recognize him walking down the street? I mean, I know I would. I'm a big fan of Mike Trout's. But how many people would?
1: His forearms might give it away. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> you're right, not a lot.
0: <laughs> and that's a problem. That's a problem for me for the MLB. But the NBA has capitalized on it. They've done a good job of of marketing their players. I don't know, just my 10 cents. That's why I I think that New York isn't the destination anymore for these big-name dudes. And speaking of big-name dudes, Aaron Boone is a manager of the year finalist. And I think it's a runaway. I, I think Aaron Boone is a runaway. For becoming named manager of the year. Because he made history this season. He became the first ever manager to guide his team in back-to-back 100-win season. In just his first two years on the job. He's one of three finalists. It's voted on by the Baseball Writers Association of America. And the other two finalists, by the way, are Kevin Cash with the Rays and Rocco Baldelli and the Twins. And the winner is going to be announced on Tuesday, November 12th at 6 p.m. Only on the MLB Network. And voting, just so you know, voting took place prior to the start of, of the postseason. And I, I think he's a runaway. I mean, Boone placed fifth in the AL Manager of the Year voting a year ago. Led the Yankees to a 100-win campaign, and a card berth. And then this season, again, puts in 100 wins. The Yankees won their first AL East title since 2012. And I know, Yankees fans, that the goal was the World Series. You can't knock him because 30 New York Yankees spent time on the injured list this season. 30 New York Yankees spent time on the injured list. And his ability to, to shuffle the lineup day in and day out, to keep his players focused on the task at hand, pushed the next man up philosophy so much so that it became the Yankees' official emoji on their Twitter accounts and, and across all of Twitter, next man up, hashtag, how keep the Yankees on course. They, they still won 103 games, despite all that. So you add them together. 203 victories in his first two years are the second most by a Yankees manager. I almost want to give this like a, a trivia question, but I know you guys are gonna call up expecting prizes and I don't have anything to give you. So the first the first most wins by a New York Yankees manager, Ralph Houck, 205 games. In the sixty-one, sixty-two season, you know those two separate seasons. Boone's had Boone had two hundred and three, so he just beat him by two games. Boone and Houck are the only two managers to lead the Yankees to the postseason in each of their first two seasons. And did Houck ever win Manager of the Year? Well, the award began in nineteen eighty-three, so he never had a chance to win it. But I'm sure he would have. And I and I saw this coming back on September 8th I wrote a little article about how Aaron Boone deserved to be manager of the year on September 8th and then you got guys like uh like Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic at that point which spurned the article he pointed out that you know Kevin Cash Bob Melvin Terry Francona they were all in it at that point in time in the in the uh in the running and he, his main argument was the fact that those managers were vying for two wild cards. Spots also with injury depleted rosters with far lower payroll than the Yankees. Okay, but in 2019, the Yankees trips to the the, the IL were were historic. At that point, when I wrote, well, on August 30th, the the 26th unique player hit the IL. And at that point, the Yankees broke the single season MLB record for a number of injured players. 2,246 games were lost by injured players at that time. August 30th, still two more months left in the season. Far lower payrolls than the Yankees. Well, when you factor out that 28% just about of the Yankees payroll was wrapped in players that hadn't really seen much time, if at all, this season. And 28% of the, the payroll is wrapped in Jacoby Ellsbury who? Giancarlo Stanton. Luis Severino, Greg Bird, who Miguel Andujar and Dylan Batances. So you subtract their base salaries from the total payroll. And one would find that Boone was operating with a team payroll that was seventh in the league, not first. So I don't think that's really a value, uh, valuable argument there. And I did a little research there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason with how these guys vote. There's no system. Managers who have missed the playoffs won the award. Um, Winning or losing doesn't seem to matter to them. Managers that that have had the highest payroll in the league and almost the lowest payroll in the league have also won. You can conclude that payroll doesn't really actually matter either. The last Yankees manager to win AL Manager of the Year, Joe Torre, 21 years ago. 1998, and right before that, in 1996, he won too. And then the Yankees won the World Series in 96, 98, 99, 2000, and 2009. In that span alone, New York won more than 21 more titles than 21 teams. I mean, is there a Yankee bias? We don't know. We'll find out though, because on November 12th, Aaron Boone should be named AL Manager of the Year, and I will riot if he doesn't. Warrior calls after the break, 877 337 6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan.
2: Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio
0: 66 the fan. WFAN. And I'm back with you, Danielle McCartan, back on The Fan. It is 4 05 in the morning. What are we on? Hour two? What is it three? We're starting at hour three. Yeah. Oh. I didn't get to sleep much uh, before this show tonight. Um, so I apologize for that. Um, so, listen, I want to talk quickly about the Yankees. We have Kim Jones coming up in a little while. I'll talk, uh, Go back to the Giants and Jets. Um, and I would love to get in some little bit of Mets as well. So, if you guys want to talk about any or all of that, 877 337 6666. I'm sure you have that number stored. Speed dial in your phone. So speed dial your way to me. We'll talk. Now, Well, Aaron Boone is up for manager of the year this week. DJ LeMahieu isn't up for anything. Not even an uh, MVP candidate. Not even a top three. Because they did release that earlier, I think, a Friday maybe. They released the top three candidates, and DJ LeMahieu wasn't one of them, to to my surprise. I am not surprised that Aaron Boone is up for manager of the year. But DJ LeMahieu did come away with the AL Silver Slugger Award. He batted three twenty-seven. 26 home runs, 102 RBIs. Um, he, I think he was the first time winner of that. And the other Yankees second basements to win the Silver Slugger, he's in good company: Willie Randolph, Alfonso Soriano, Robinson Cano, and DJ LeMahieu. But my eyes are going to be on the on MLB Network on uh, November 12th, 6 p.m. Because I would love to see Aaron Boone. You know, I just outlined all the reasons why become Manager of the Year. Tim and Kingston, you're on the fan.
9: Hey Danielle, thanks for taking my call. Anytime,
0: Tim. What's up?
9: Uh, first, first, uh, first off, I just want to say really enjoying the program. Been listening to you a few weeks now. You're doing a re- really great job. I think you got a big future in WFAN. <laughs> thanks. Um, so I want to disagree with you about Boone. I feel like he's really just a puppet for Cashman and his analytic team. I feel like that's why Girardi was was booted out, and that's why they got uh, Boone in there. Was just you know he's going to do what the analytics tell him to the T every time. So how much credit really, you know, should he get? Should he get manager of the year for that? I don't know.
0: Um, I mean, I think, and uh, Tim, thanks for the call. I think that that's sort of like a little question. I agree with you. I think that's why Joe Girard did get the boot. Yes, he's a strong personality. It's been documented every single place he's been and was almost going to go. Um, but I think that nowadays, I love when Gio does the impression of Brody Van Wagenen Collaboration. I can't do it, but I think collaboration is more widespread among the front offices and the managers. So maybe they have to rename the award, the collaboration award, but for right now, it's it's the manager that is the face of that collaboration award, and I, I think Aaron Boone embodies that. You know, I just... Yes, I, I, I do think he was married to the analytics a little too much, and I always point to taking Masahiro Tanaka out in the ALCS after pitching, I, now I forget the number about, oh, less than 80 pitchers. I mean, that's something you don't do, only because he didn't want him to face it the third time through the, the order. I mean, that's something you don't do. You don't expose your bullpen. I think it was game one. I mean, I just that I don't like. But he, he overcame all those injuries. I mean, th- how many 30 original or 30 unique players made it, made it to the the IL this season. I mean, that does, doesn't take like, that takes a little bit of knowing a little bit of wherewithal. Right. And speaking of managers, the Mets have a new one and Edwin Diaz who pitched against Carlos Beltran and played with him. That's interesting. Edwin Diaz, it's not an exaggeration to say to get him back on track could mean the difference between the Mets making the playoffs or missing the playoffs next year. And he has said that just because I've had one bad season, it doesn't mean I'm a bad pitcher. There might be some truth to that. Diaz is 25 years old, can throw the ball over 100 miles an hour, struck out more than 15.4 batters in nine, per nine innings last year. And he had a pretty bad season last season. But don't forget. He's only one year removed from being considered without really much debate, the best closer in baseball. And he had said through a translator in September that, especially when I've had three great seasons in Seattle, the fourth one went bad, but you just have to continue working. So you get back to that level. And I think the biggest thing that was dogging him was his inconsistencies. And he's allowed as many home runs in uh, this past season with the Mets in his previous two seasons combined And they directly accounted for four of his seven blown saves, but then again, he had the best, third best strikeout rate in baseball. I mean, at times he was unhittable. So yeah, he was bad, but he was also really good. And here's the good news: he seems to have located this that the slider is the root of the problem, and he might be right because opponents hit like 300 against his slider. And he wants to get back to to Port St. Lucie a little bit sooner um, so that he can make that a little bit more effective. And I have my own two cents. I think that playing in New York got to him because he's leaning on Carlos Beltran now, who was his teammate when the Puerto Rican uh, national team from the World Baseball Classic pitched against them in the American League West, by the way. Beltran was two for three with a strikeout, a single, and a double. He wants to have a conversation with Beltran to ask him how he handled New York in the time that he was there as a player and now as a manager. He can give me some advice on how to handle this city better. That. Hashtag that. What made Diaz start to feel so uncomfortable? Did he start listening to radio? Did he start reading the papers? This is the value that Carlos Beltran can bring to this team. Him fixing Diaz might equal a play- playoff berth. And of course, Diaz is going to be feeling some more pressure. He's getting a huge salary increase. I mean, almost like $6.5 million more. But if he's performing well, Mets fans, radio hosts, and newspapers won't seem to care. Alessandro, you're on the fan. Hey, I'm
9: calling uh, first time, long time Danielle. Um, I wanted to ask you. Do you think uh, if Adam Gase gets fired within the year, uh, that will affect other coaches coming here? I I think that the chance of him getting fired in-year is like 5%, to be honest.
0: I, it's not going to happen in the year, Alessandro, thank you. It's not going to happen in the year because if they, it was going to happen in the year, it would be after the Dolphins game. So since that didn't happen, it's not going to happen this season. If he gets fired in in the off season, which I think he should— Will it affect other people coming? I'm not so sure because if I was uh, an incoming coach, you know, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. I mean, I could see the, you know, the ownership. You can take that into consideration, you know. But if I'm an incoming coach, I'm not, I'm not going to look at what happened before me because I, I would know. Hopefully, that my skill set is better than that of the previous coach, and that's how I sell myself. So I, I'm, I'm not sure it would affect more you know, qualified candidates to come in. Because you—you if you looked at it, 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 coming into this season, you had Mike McCarthy right there waiting for you. Waiting for the Jets to take him, and they just didn't. He also is unemployed this season. Mike McCarthy is. So does he give it another shot? Does he say, look, you guys screwed up the first time around, but I'm going to give you a second chance. And, I'm, and I want to coach this team. Give me the keys to the team. I mean, Jets fans can only hope that that's the case. But I think Mike McCarthy, I think he's got some thick skin. I think he could work some magic. And, and I'm still on the Mike McCarthy train. But as far as Adam Gase getting the hook in season, the Jets had their window. They had their opportunity, and they missed it. They had the opportunity during the Miami game, that's a little facetious, but they had their, their their opportunity after the Miami game and they had their opportunity when they got back here to New Jersey and they couldn't do it. And that's just the reality of it. And should they do it in the offseason? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Jets need an established coach to come in there. That's what they needed this year. And they didn't have it. They didn't get it. They didn't want it. Let's be honest. They had it for the taking and they didn't want it. They opted for offensive guru Adam Case instead. And look where it got him. One in seven, three weeks of the season. More of your phone calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I want to talk about the new Yankees pitching coach and what that means. Kim Jones coming up at 420. And after that, we'll talk Yankees pitching coach. I'm Danielle McCartin on The Fan. I'm in a New York state of
6: mind. Manning on third and ten. He fires. And the catch is made by Cruz who breaks free. One man to beat. Victor Cruz down the sideline. Cruz is going to take it. All the way, tying an NFL record, 99 yards
0: from Manning to Cruz. That play, voted the best play at MetLife Stadium, was the turning point of the Giants' 2011 Super Bowl season. Now I have Kim Jones, outstanding NFL Network correspondent and host here at WFAN on the line. She's here to help us decode this year's, not Super Bowl, MetLife Bowl. Kim, thanks for joining us tonight.
12: You're welcome, Danielle. How are you? Good, good. How are you? good everything's
0: great all right so in the opening tonight i outlined uh many similarities between the teams in my open and in a game where the two teams have only won three games combined this season to you which giants jets similarity is the most compelling storyline uh later today
12: it's got to be the quarterbacks right because i think with both quarterbacks we have seen plenty of room for optimism and we have also seen sort of the the red marks or the the um black marks, if you will, where it looks like there's cause for concern. Uh, both of them can move, probably. Uh, I know that Daniel, we've seen some speed from him. I think moving in the pocket, you would probably give the edge uh, to Sam Darnold. Uh, he's such a fluid mover. I've had um, a couple players in the league, uh, you know, previous to this bad streak from Sam, uh, describe him as uh, Aaron Rodgers-like in his movement. And that's, a you know, obviously incredible praise. Uh, from other NFL players. So I think in movement in the pocket, you would give the edge to Sam. I think both are accurate enough. I think Daniel's speed has been impressive. He can actually, you know, get out there, run and, and take a hit and get a big first down for you. I think Daniel's, um, accuracy, judgment has all been very good. He's got to hold on to the football. Uh, Sam, the interceptions, uh, and the turnovers have also been alarming since he's come back from Mono, and really since he left that Dallas game, which was great in his coming back from Mono. So I think you see a lot of good and some bigger picture, fairly big concerns from both of them, but none of that's unusual with young quarterbacks.
0: Now, both teams, I mean, the way it's going, have probably a top five pick in the draft. Now, Would they be in the quarterback market? Is it too soon to tell? Should they stay the course with these two guys that they have, both teams?
12: The Giants will stay the course with Daniel Jones, barring something completely unforeseen over the next couple months. Um, That I have no doubt about. Uh, I think that Adam Gase would uh, want to stay the the course with Sam Darnold no matter what, and I think I would stay the course with Sam Darnold no matter what. With Darnold, I just think now it's been – a little bit of an alarming stretch here where i am probably much more forgiving when i think of someone who played with mono almost certainly obviously sat out because of mono and is coming back from mono that's unheard of in the nfl for anyone let alone um a quarterback so i am much more forgiving with sam in terms of this probably being a lost year but for good reason but I do think over these last couple months he needs to show a little bit more of the good we've seen from Darnold. But to answer your question in a sentence, it would shock me if either the Jets or Giants high pick in the next draft, go quarterback.
0: Now let's take the top three similarities. I've boiled it down to the Jets and Giants, and I'll ask who has a better game today and why. Number one, dual threat premier running backs. Is it going to be Saquon Barkley or Le'Veon Bell today?
12: Well, I think recent history tells us Probably Barkley, but maybe not the Barkley that we were used to seeing a year ago. A lot of that has to do with the offensive line. A lot of that has to do with the skill players around him and the attention that defenses have to give to them or don't have to give to them. So um, my guess would be Barkley. I, I do suspect we are due at some point a breakout from Le'Veon Bell where we say, oh, that's Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. But is his line good enough to do it? Um, if it is on if it is Sunday, if it is good enough to do it against the Giants, that will be an incredible indictment of the Giants defensive line, which in my opinion has not frankly played very well this season
0: now developing young quarterbacks Daniel Jones or Sam Darnell has the better game
12: my sense is that Daniel Jones will have the better game the the Jets have issues as we know all season at cornerback uh, those haven't gone away um, They don't have their middle linebacker, which was the key signing of free agency, of course. And Mm -hmm. C.J. Mosley, who played every snap basically in Baltimore, has hardly been able to stay on the field for the Jets this season, his first with them. So um, my sense would be that I would go Giants on that one.
0: And now third and final, we have two coaches that are pretty much square on the hot seat, Pat Shermer, Adam Gase. Who has the better game?
12: Well, I'm going to say Gase because I think – the expectations for him at this point are so low. And uh, my sense is that at some point he finds something. Uh, Sam certainly helps him out in that regard. And that, that the absolute you know, bright light of the hot seat leaves Adam Gase at some point. Only, partly because it's hard for me to even imagine two more months of this kind of pressure and scrutiny on Adam Gase. It might happen, but as I stand here right now, it's hard for me to imagine it staying at that high pitch for two more months. You know, Pat Shermer has had uh, some certainly many rough moments this season. He takes, you know, music away from practice this week. You know, I have no idea what kind of effect, if any, that has on anything, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Um, you know, his play call on a, on that, what became the safety against the Minnesota Vikings is easily the worst play call I've seen at least this season in the NFL uh, and maybe beyond. Now, I don't see every single game. I don't see every single play, but it was bad. So um, I guess that's how I would kind of answer it. But, you know, really, you know, we're talking about two coaches, both of whom could really use a win uh, in this game, obviously, not only for themselves but for their team.
0: And we're talking with Kim Jones on the fan. And now you, you've got Leonard Williams, the only player to play for both the Jets and the <laughs> Giants in the same regular season. And yes. you got to be thinking in that t- sense, advantage Giants, right? Because he knows the entire Jets playbook, et cetera, et cetera.
12: How does each team kind of account for his knowledge? Is he like a spy, you know, in a, in a sense? <laughs> well, I think he can certainly give some insight. You know, he knows that Jets personnel mm-hmm. uh, probably better than he knows the Giants' offensive personnel. Mm-hmm. You know, so. um yeah yeah I mean, I think Leonard can be helpful. Um, you know it's been funny sort of the rebirth of Leonard, who um, is a really is a good player he's a really good player. Is he someone that offensive coordinators need to scheme against? Not always to be honest with you. Now he does get pressure more than any of the Giants, particularly interior defensive linemen. so from that regard he 's a win for the Giants, no doubt, because he is active and he is pressuring quarterbacks generally so um, but it's funny because, you know, the Jets clearly made the decision he would be not, not be part of their future, otherwise they don't trade him. The Giants have made a decision. They surely believe he is part of their future because you don't give up a third for that uh, if for just these last couple months. So it is interesting. I have said and written for NFL.com that I do believe he is going to be a fascinating case study for the rest of this season, um, especially in this game. Because, Danielle, we are going to be able to see Leonard Williams, what he did with the Jets this season under Greg Williams, obviously previously under Todd Bowles, and what he does with the Giants under James Betcher. That, to me, is going to be pretty interesting to see which coach, which team gets more out of Leonard Williams.
0: And just rewind to the beginning of the season and then fast forward to now. Which team is more surprised where it sits in the standings? oh.
12: I mean, I hate to cop out, but it's pro- it's got to be both. I mean, there's no way the Giants thought they'd have two wins. There's no way the Jets thought they'd have one. There's no way I thought about any of this. I mean, we aren't even covering this game on NFL Network with TV reports pregame. Which is amazing. Which is amazing. They play once every four years. It's the New York market. Right. It's the Jets and Giants. There are compelling storylines. There just really aren't winning storylines. And you know I'll be covering you know the Buffalo Bills who are six and two and at some point at NFL Network we start to look playoff teams we start to look teams that will be um, obviously viable down the stretch and in that case you know, they felt comfortable sending me to the Buffalo Cleveland game, and that's where I'll be. So it is amazing. I, you know, I have to believe it's a tie at this point. Uh, they've gotten there in different ways. You could argue the Jets' depth is deeper at the moment. They have injuries to just people they couldn't lose. Um, and they've had a really hard time getting out of their own way, and they lost to the Dolphins. I understand that. You can make a case the Jets are worse and are off to a much worse first half of the season, but you can never convince me that the Giants thought they had two wins in them and that this debut season for Daniel Jones would turn into a conversation more about his turnovers than really anything else.
0: Now, we've both established that both teams, it's obviously a must-win for both, but you know obviously one team has to lose so what about a loss for each team the ramifications for, for each the giants and the jets uh, later today
12: well i got to be honest you know and this isn't this is just my thought i think both groups have gotten used to losing so you know i don't know that a loss in and of itself certainly it doesn't rep- represent anything new right Um, It almost represents par for the course or what everyone expects in terms of these fan bases' expectations for their teams. But I do think how a loss occurs in this game, you know, conceivably could matter. You know, is it clearly a coaching decision? Is it clearly a great play, let's say, by the offense? Or is it clearly a defense that is lost? And couldn't even function. So I do think how one of these teams loses could be very important. A loss in and of itself, like I said, just isn't that surprising at this point for the Giants or the Jets.
0: And we're talking with Kim Jones on the fan. And I just want to do one Jet specific, one Giant specific question for you. Yep. And um, you know, you alluded to it, coming off a loss to the tanking, winless until that point Dolphins. Yeah. Have and you being around the building, have you been able to gauge ownership's pulse on Adam Gase's job security?
12: My sense, and I am not I'm not going to uh, you know say this is my reporting, my um, you know any news I'm conveying to you mm-hmm. uh, because I really haven't been at the Jets and Giants this particular week at all, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. I've been in Buffalo and Cleveland. But my sense is Christopher Johnson uh, understands what's happened in terms of injuries in terms of some circumstances, in terms of a roster that needs rebuilding. He didn't fire Mike McCagna when he fired him for no reason. So I have to believe with Christopher Johnson, there's probably more patience from ownership, certainly than there is from the fan base at this point.
0: And my giant specific question is going to be, I mean, they're struggling to punch the ball in the end zone. They're 24th in red zone touchdown efficiency, one for five versus Cowboys on Monday Night Football. How can they rectify that problem in settling for field goals?
12: Well, probably a little bit of a better play from the offensive line, probably and probably everyone else, to be honest with you. Probably some different play calling, perhaps a little bit more creative play calling. Um, There's got to always be a way, right? Because, Danielle, in the NFL, you can't just sit around and wallow in woe is us. You can't do it because teams are going to pass you by. Um, The Buffalo Bills still have more wins at MetLife Stadium this season than either the Giants or Jets. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's amazing. The Giants, (laughs) if they win, could tie the Bills with their second win at home. But the Bills still have that record. The Bills since – I saw a note the other day that really surprised me. I think since 2017, the Bills have more wins than the Giants and Jets combined. Wow. I mean, that kind of stuff is startling when you think of the – you know, resources that these teams have and the fact that parity is so encouraged and really parity is the mode of, of operandi in the, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They want teams to be eight and eight. You know, that's how this NFL, uh, free agency and structure and compensatory picks and drafting, that's how it's all configured for everyone to kind of go to the middle and then the best separate themselves as do obviously the worst. And the Giants and Jets have just not acquitted themselves well now for years. So, um, you know, that's that's the state of affairs at MetLife Stadium for a Giants and Jets game that I think an awful lot of us wanted to really anticipate, have some fun with, and really looked forward to seeing. And I still look forward to seeing it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I still very much look forward to how this game plays out. Just the ramifications of it in terms of standings and divisions and playoffs certainly aren't what perhaps some of us thought would be. And, Kim, you know, I... I, I
0: Something struck me last week. I'm I'm doing research for the show and everything, and I'm not in the room. You are. You're in all of the rooms. And maybe you could just tuck this away for the end of the season press conference, you know, for both teams, or actually just the Jets. But the handling of of Bell and Adams during that trade window, and some quotes from both of them. Bell said, Douglas took his time out to call me. He was honest with me, among other things. And then Adams says, among other things, the GM went behind my back and shot me around to teams. Taking the players for their word, which I'd, I'd like to do. How can it be so different? How Bell was handled versus how Adams was handled?
12: Well, I think some of it is what Le'Veon alluded to. He's what 27 now, so he's a veteran. He's certainly a veteran in this league. He said he would have reacted the same way if he were Jamal's age, which I think Jamal's 24. He might be 23. I think he's 24. So. I think some of it is the emotion of the players, which, you know, again, I am much more tolerant of players who some are much more emotional, some don't show us any emotion, and either is okay with me. Mm -hmm. And I understand that not everyone thinks either is okay, Um, especially the emotional guy gets, you know, a lot of knocks. So I think a lot of it's that. Um, For Le'Veon, he's been down this road before. Remember, he made himself a business decision last year to sit out. Right. And not all Steelers fans loved that, that's for sure. So I think Le'Veon understands the business side, not only because, you know, he's been part of it, both you know, unwittingly, you know, with trade rumors, but also with a very conscious decision by him and his group that he would sit out last year. And he still thinks that was the best move he could have made. So Le'Veon understands business. I think Jamal comes at it more emotionally. This is the team that drafted me sixth overall. I've only ever worn green and white. I'm in the same city where my dad played, blah, 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 blah. And I understand that too. So I think a lot of it has to do with the player and the way he sort of processed all of this, as opposed to, boy, is Joe Douglas a good guy or a bad guy? Which one is the truth? You know, I don't think it's as much about Joe Douglas probably as it is Adams and Bell. Hmm.
0: Okay. And then the final question, just to wrap up here, is taking into consideration, I mean, everything, you think coaching staffs, front office, core talent, salary cap space, right now, if you were to say, maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but which team is in a better position to make at least
12: a little bit of a run next year? Probably the, the Giants should be the answer. Um, I think Douglas is a little bit of a wild card. He is highly, highly respected around the NFL. Um, the idea that with a full offseason to work with, being in charge of free agency, he can really help this roster. Mm. Um, on the surface, it should be the Giants. Uh, the, the Joe Douglas factor, given the way he is spoken about from people who've either worked with him or know him or just have dealt with him and have great respect for him, I think Joe Douglas has a chance to flip that. And the draft, too. And don't, don't forget that. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. We're going to see the first Joe Douglas draft. We're going to see another Gettleman draft. Um, and if let's put it this way. If Dave Gettleman is indeed right about Daniel Jones, probably nothing else matters. And that is the crux of Dave Gettleman and his leadership with the Giants.
0: Kim, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time out, you know, in your busy schedule to talk with us on the fan. Thank
12: you. Anytime, Danielle. Thank you.
0: Kim Jones, always a favorite guest of mine. And here's Marco Belletti with the update. I'm Daniel McCartan back with you. We are at 444 in the morning on the East Coast, New York City, lower Manhattan to be more specific. Outside, it's really cold out. It's 30 degrees air temperature and probably colder on the wind chill. I'm not looking forward to go out, going outside after the shift is over. Um, t- later today, we have another cold MetLife Bowl happening between the Giants and Jets in the regular season. Happens only once Every four years. And this year, unfortunately, it's 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 um you know, the battle of the not so good teams, sorry to say. Um, and it's really it's really bad for New York in that in that sense. And but first, before we get back into that, and I know I have some calls on hold. If you want to get on board, it's eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Um, I got I you know, Pat and I were just talking about the reach of this radio station and through the radio.com app. I, you know, I just got alerted to the fact that there is a bunch of New Yorkers in a bar in Las Vegas, the Gold Coast Hotel and Casino, who have us on right now, and they are loving the show on the fan. So that's a bunch of New Yorkers out in Las Vegas. Hello to you guys. Uh, I'm happy you guys are liking it. And uh, we'll get back to Jets and Giants right now. So the Jets rushing defense. They're pretty good. I mean, the Jets only allow three, pretty much three yards per rushing play. The best number in the NFL. And on first down, they only allow 2.7 yards per run, which also leads the league. So if the Giants are going to crack the Jets' defense, really, d- despite having Saquon Barkley, I really don't think it comes from that. From the, ru- the, from the rush. They're thin at cornerback. We've talked about that. Doesn't bode well for the Jets. And An interesting stat I had come across is opposing quarterbacks have a 130.4 rating on passes that travel more than 20 yards in the air this season. That's the highest number in the NFL. So Daniel Jones needs to have a career day, which I think he will, for the Giants to come out with a victory. Alex in Queens, you've been waiting a long time. You're on the fan.
13: Yeah, great show. I I wanted to make a point in regard to the Giants and the coaching staff, why Clearly, the NFL coaching makes such a big difference as we see with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at the Eagles last year, they made a run. And I look at the Giant roster, and Saquon Barkley was a better running back than anyone the Eagles had. They, the Eagles had the worst running backs in football last year. The Eagles' secondary was the worst in the NFL. I would say the Giants were a little better. And the Eagles' receivers are below average receivers. I believe the Giants have better weapons, whether it's Sterling Shepard, even Odell last year, you know, guys like that. So, in many areas of the team, the Giants were better at. Now, you want to see the quarterback, Nick Foles versus Eli Manning. Statistically, Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Nick Foles. So you can say that's a wash. So the only areas the Eagles were better than were the offensive line and defensive line. The point is they were evenly matched talent-wise. Yet one team made a playoff run last year, and the other team was a disaster. I look at the 2017 Eagles that won the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I believe that was the worst roster ever to win a Super Bowl. They obviously beat the Patriots. But to me, I believe Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson, I don't care how many Super Bowls Belichick won, the fact that he won with a backup quarterback against Belichick, I believe Doug Peterson is the greatest coach in professional sports history to do what he did in those circumstances then the next year to make another playoff run.
0: Um Alex and, and thanks for the call. Um I, I don't know if I'd be crowning him. I mean, I, I look at results and the results say that Bill Belichick is the most talented co- uh, coach in the history of the NFL. I mean, that's just fact. Um you sound like an Eagles fan, which I'm not knocking you. Um I'm just saying that you can't really come out and, s- and you know, say it like that 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 he is a better coach than Bill Belichick. And yes, I give it to you that 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 um uh, I forget the name of the play. Where Oh, the, thanks, Pat. The Philly special. The Philly special was absolutely creative. I, I give it to you. And that comes from the coaching standpoint. And you're right. They did go on a run. They, I'm looking at the schedule. They beat the Rams in L.A. They beat the Houston Texans. And, again, they finished up the regular season with beating the Washington Redskins. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be crowning the Eagles coach as uh, the next coming of of Vince Lombardi over there. Alan and New Rochelle, you're on the fan.
5: Good morning, Daniel. How are you? I was just laughing. How are you? Didn't Bill, didn't Bill Belichick run with the backup quarterback? Uh, I mean that Bill Parcells. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, he went with
5: Hossettler.
0: That's before my time, but yes, yeah, sure. Yes, I'll give it to you. Yes. Well, you can tell
5: Alex that. I wanted to talk about <laughs> baseball. Firsthand knowledge, and I'll talk about football for once. All
0: right, you got, got it. Part. Let's go.
5: Okay. Baseball, well, I did it backwards, but football... Whichever way. Um, I was engaged to Al Davis's niece 30 years ago and personally by keeping the game as close to what the referees were told. When you're talking about parity, you're absolutely right, but it's a big until now. Okay. Mm-hmm. When the score was like 30 to 10, they called holding on the team that had uh, 30 mm-hmm. to keep it as close as they could. That came from Al Davis's niece. Okay. Jerry Davis was his name. Um, now we'll talk about baseball, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I have firsthand knowledge that the Gary Sanchez, Joe Girardi had a personal conference, and that's what led to Joe Girardi being let go.
0: Well, yes, that that is pretty evident. Yes.
5: Okay. So you have a wonderful morning, and I want to thank you, Screener, for being so professional. And I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right. Thanks, Alan. Um, yeah, that ultimately that was the reason. Theoretically and reportedly why Joe Girardi was out as Yankees manager was that he and Gary Sanchez just didn't, didn't get along. And I, I, For whatever reason, Joe Girardi was a former catcher. That should have been a marriage made in heaven, but um, who knows? I, no one really knows unless you're in the room with them, unless your name is Joe Girardi, unless your name is Gary Sanchez. I still think Joe Girardi is a fine manager, and the Phillies got a good one. Phillies got a great one, actually. The Mets kind of missed on that, but we'll see what Carlos Beltran can do. That's 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 what Mets fans are, are convincing themselves of. Let's see what he can do. Can't I mean he was the best of the rest. Let's be honest. Carlo, Kings Park, you're on the fan.
14: Good morning, Daniel, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, definitely talk a little bit about the Jets and some some Yanks if I could.
0: Mm-hmm.
14: Um, as far as the Jets go, I am not looking forward to this one bit. I have a horrible, horrible feeling that the Giants are going to destroy the Jets. Today. Oh,
0: come on. The Jets have nothing to lose. They already they lost to the worst team in the league, the Dolphins.
14: I know. I know. I know. But believe me, the Giants would like nothing better than to rub it in the Jets' face. Believe me, they would. And especially they play at Giant Stadium. Even though, even though it's called MetLife Stadium, everyone that I know calls it Giant Stadium. They do. <laughs> and because the, the Jets don't have their own identity. They should have <laughs> had their own stadium. But that's, that's for another time. But as far, as far as the game goes, I can definitely see Daniel Jones really playing really, really well because he's elusive. And let's face it, the Giants right now, I, I just don't have a really good feeling. I just don't. I mean, I love Sam to no end. I think he's a, I think he's a great quarterback, which he really is. He's really, really good. But Daniel Jones right now, has, he's, got, he's got some, you know, as they say, he's got the mojo right now. He's got a little bit of mojo, and Sam doesn't. Because if Sam sees ghosts, he's in a lot of trouble.
0: Well, and Carla, thanks for the call. The, the problem I have with the seeing ghosts comment isn't the fact that he's seeing ghosts. He's he's a young quarterback. He is allowed. Obviously, he got aired on national TV. That's a problem. But the fact that his quarter his coach, who is this quarterback whisperer, who's this offensive guru, isn't there to help him, can't figure it out for him can't help him along that's where the ghost comment bothers me the ghost comment i mean uh, uh, from all accounts that i've heard that that's a common line um on on the sidelines but the problem for me is when the head coach cannot step in to help him i mean they had him mic'd up on one of the timeouts that he called he, he didn't gase didn't really give sam darnold much of anything other than like basically like a pat on the butt and Get back out there, sort of talk. But like, I mean, with a young, maybe with an older quarterback, that would work. But if you're, if, if your quarterback is not doing well out there, you need to get the iPad out, or they, the, what do they use, the, the Microsoft Surface? And they got to get that out, and then you have to show him. You have to show him on diagrams. And then the the, the best image coming out of that Miami that game this week was Adam Gay sitting on the bench all by himself. There wasn't a, a soul within ten yards of him. That's the kind of the coach that, that you want running your team? I mean, you look at every time Daniel Jones comes off the field, he's Eli Manning is standing there with a headset on and the surface in his hands, and, and he, Daniel Jones runs right to Eli Manning, and they sit together, and they talk, and they collaborate, to use a Brody Van Wagen in Word via Geo. But, I mean, Adam Gase, I mean, I, I just understand. Why can't he pick up? The blitzer. I mean, the Patriots blitzers were running through that line untouched. I could have sacked Sam Darnold that game. Pat, you could have sacked Sam Darnold in that game. There's no scheme to pick up a blitzing blocker still.
1: I appreciate the compliment.
0: Oh, and you got a compliment <laughs> before, too. Someone said you were a very uh, polite call screener, by the way.
1: Oh. That <laughs> means I'm too nice, a.k.a.
0: No, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, it, it's baffling to me that there are no in-game adjustments. It's baffling to me that Adam Gase can't seem to figure out much of anything despite having this title of, of offensive guru, quarterback whisperer, Peyton Manning backed. I mean, we are not seeing that in New York. And I tell you guys every week that I love watching the Adam Gase press conferences. I, I almost want to make popcorn and watch them. But you know what? After this Miami loss, I I just can't stomach it anymore. I mean, it's just and and uh, I don't know. And especially the, you guys in Vegas, there was a a plane flying up the Hudson River Friday, calling for Adam Gase's firing. Couple that with the billboard of John Idzik fire John Idzik that was like a couple of years ago on Route eighty, Route eighty East, I believe it was. I remember seeing it in my mind's eye. I just don't remember which direction it was, and and then. I was at the Steelers-Jets game a couple years ago. I think it was 2014, where the the plane had a a banner flying behind it that said, rebuilding since 1969. So that means for my entire life, the Jets have been in rebuilding mode. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just just the misery of a Jet fan, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. And if the Giants lose, that's a really bad look. I mean, I don't think they will. But if they seem to find a way, because they seem to have found a way to lose to the Cardinals, they seem to have found a way to lose to the Cowboys, it's going to be bad news for the New York Giants. More your calls after the break, 877-337-6666.
12: Sports Radio 101.9 FM.
2: And Sports Radio 66. WFAM.
0: And good morning, everybody. Again, I'm Danielle McCartan here on WFAN. I guess we'll switch it to McCartan in the morning now. It's 5.05 a.m. in Lower Manhattan in New York. We are uh, entering our last and final hour of my show here on WFAN. Don't worry, I'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Don't worry. And uh, we have covered a lot tonight, and I'd like to just reset reset a little bit. We have lots of callers on hold. If you want to... Join the queue. Join the line. It's 877-337-6666. We have here in this area a 1 o'clock game that everybody says they're not interested in, yet we've talked the most about this tonight here on my my program. We have the Jets hosting the New York Giants in the 2019 regular season edition of the MetLife Bowl. The only bowl game that both teams are going to see this season at least. I mean, that's that's not breaking news or anything. Oh, but something did come through on Twitter. Ian Rappaport had tweeted just not long ago, actually, that Le'Veon Bell has declared himself good to go on social media, so he will be playing. For those of you fantasy owners that do have him, including me, in my free league, free league, don't worry, I don't pay for any money, it's just for fun. And uh, Chris Hernan is set to make his debut against the Giants. And he cited a source, whatever that is. So, uh, Le'Veon Bell and Chris Herndon good to go for the Jets and the 1-7 Jets are set to square off with the visiting 2-7 and Giants later today I'm at Life Stadium when I did the open I selected Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror you know I love the music I love incorporating music and Man in the Mirror is what I picked because it just dawned on me that you know what, the Jets and Giants are eerily similar like looking at each other in the mirror the Jets have ghosts, the Giants have black cats you got Jamal Adams, who grew up as a Giants fan in Dallas because his father was a first-round selection by the Giants in 1985. You've got Giants running back Saquon Barkley, who grew up as a Jets fan in the Bronx and whose father is going to be wearing number 12, Joe Willie Namath, to MetLife Stadium later today. Saquon got it for him. And there will be a jersey exchange, I'm hearing, between Barkley and Adams after the game. So for for three reasons for me that stuck out that they are very similar is that they both have a dual threat premier running back, Barkley and Bell, obviously. They both have coaches that are on the hot seat. And I would venture to guess that Adam Gase is way more so on the hot seat than Pat Shermer. I mean, I just referenced just not long ago that the, the planes are flying the banners again. I'm sure we will see one again tomorrow. And... Thing is, that Adam Schefter confirmed at 5 p.m. now Saturday that the team still wants to judge Gase over a larger body of work than half of a season, one that was been that has been plagued by injuries. That are that's your worst fears come to life if you're a Jets fan. The excuse train has left the station, and the worst part is that the Jets' remaining schedule have four winnable games, so they could theoretically go four and four over the next eight. Which would kind of sort of hide or mask at least the atrocity that Gase has coached them through the first eight weeks, where his team has gone one and seven. Shermer's been under fire for mismanaging the clock, for some questionable play calling. We get it. Also, for not publicly addressing Janoris Jenkins' lack of hustle on the Blake Jarwin interception on Monday Night Football. Uh, Blake Jarwin touchdown, my bad, on Monday Night Football. Apparently, though, it was dressed, addressed internally, and that's kind of how it should be. Then, obviously, the, the real big reason is that both have young quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, their stat lines from Week 9 are almost exactly identical. It was, like, scary. Speaking of scary, Sam Darnold has infamously been seeing ghosts, and it's re- been reflected in his play. He doesn't look comfortable, but who would? Jets have a terrible offensive line. And I'm wondering if he's just waiting for that blindside hit that might might injure his spleen again. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't feel too comfortable back there knowing that I just had mono. Maybe I'm not totally 100% over it, let's be honest. And I have an offensive line that does their best impression of Swiss cheese every Sunday. And Daniel Jones, while he's not seeing ghosts, he has had an ongoing cat-and-mouse game with ball security. Seven fumbles over the last three games, including... A strip-sack-fumble-touchdown versus Dallas on Monday Night Football. Can one play possibly have any worse outcome than a strip-sack-fumble-return-for-a-touchdown on Monday Night Football? But Jones is not to be outdone by Darnold. Jones leads the league in turnovers. 16. Even split, though. Eight fumbles and eight interceptions for him. And that reminds me of a Dos Equis commercial. I don't always fumble, but when I do, I really make it count. Because the Cowboys translated two Jones turnovers directly to 10 points right on Monday Night Football. A touchdown and a field goal. Hopefully, as a New York fan, one or both of the quarterbacks can write their ship later today or else we're in for much more football misery here and agony here in New York. But hey, there's always the Buffalo Bills, right? Yeah, I know. You're probably laughing in your car right now. So forget about the Super Bowl. The MetLife Bowl is here. I did a very famous Twitter poll at Coach CoachMCCARTAN. Out of my followers, 75% of fans are predicting a Giants win. And it looks, in my, based on my scientific polls here on Twitter, that it looks like more Giants fans are going to be heading to this game than Jets fans, even though it's a Jet home game, technically. Jeff, in Fairview, you're on the fan.
3: Hey yo. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Great show. Thanks. I've I've got three points, so I appreciate it. If you give me the time. Yeah, give you me the a hat time. Trick. Mm-hmm. One, one of the points is, who well, I agree with you 100%, but here's the first one. It's this guy, a cornerback, Boston Austin, who was uh, yeah. on Rutgers. Yep. He's going to get his first start, so yep. interesting to see what he does. He's a old big Ten honorable mention selection of one year. He had the torn ACL. He's Fulham in for Robert, so thank God
0: yep. he's six, not playing. Six-round <laughs> pick. Yeah, he can't be any worse than what they have going on there. So give him a shot. That's what I say. Exactly.
3: Right? So that's one one guy to watch. Yeah, I yep. agree with you.
0: Yep.
3: Second point is, I mean, drill the Giants a curveball. Control the tempo. They never do a hurry-up offense. Just to drill, you know, be creative. You know, Adam Gaze, you know, he's he's not. He's, he's not creative. I mean, do something different. The Jets never do a hurry-up offense. I'm not saying the first drive, because they've been good with the first drive. The Jets have, yes. Lately. Yep. But how about the second half, throw the Giants the curveball, come out with a hurry-up offense. Third point, and it's your, your point, I agree 100% go with the two tight end formation with Chris mm-hmm. Herndon and Ryan Griffin, yep. who had a great, well, he had the great game Griffin against the Cowboys. Right. I remember yep. telling JJ. Yeah. He's pretty good. So I agree a hundred percent. Go with the two tight end formation and see what happens. And I'm the few, you know, I'm, I'm not happy. I don't want case here, but I'm, I'm pumped for this game. I want to watch it. It's like, Seven, eight hours away, I want this game. I mean, it's like the Jets' Super Bowl <laughs> right now. That's you know? it. I'm going to enjoy it. Hopefully they win. And I don't know why all Jeff said. I know it's been a nightmare season. I understand that. I do. But at least enjoy one game. Maybe we beat the Giants. That's going to be, it's going to make me feel good, I tell you that much.
0: Well, Jeff, I think your one game might have been versus the Cowboys <laughs> with that uh, Jamal Adams stop on that two-point conversion. I think that might have been it. And, and speaking to the fact of you know, uh, making forcing Daniel Jones to make some errors, well, I don't know because the Jets allow opponents to convert on thirty three percent of third down opportunities. So I don't know if that's really, really going to happen. Robert, Manhattan, you're on the fan.
2: Hey Danielle, good morning. Nice to hear your voice. Thank you know, you. think about the weekend that Fox Network has had in sports. Today, they're going to show the Clash of the Cesspits, which would make a great movie title. Remember the Clash of the Titans in yes. 1978? Clash of the Cesspits. Saturday, they showed a game whose final score was 73 to 14. Not exactly a simulating game to watch. Yeah, no. So, there you go. Now, here's the thing. If I had an evil mind, which I do not believe me, I'm a nice guy, I, I, you know, I give my seat to ladies on buses, I hold the door open, I would wish for a zero-zero tie. <laughs> but then I thought about this. That would take five hours, and I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Do you think if we made a, uh, uh, an emergency petition, we could convince Fox to perhaps cancel showing the game at 1 o'clock? Because remember, by contractual agreements, CBS can't or will not show another game at one o'clock. So that's the only game if you don't have the red zone, which mm-hmm. I don't, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think do you think if we petition Fox with an emergency, we can ask them to show last year's Canadian Grey Cup?
0: <laughs> oh, come on, Robert. No one wants to see that. More people want to see Jets and Giants. I can guarantee you that. If that's the other option that you're gonna present to me. Um like I said, it, this is this is going to be. A, I think this is going to be a, a sloppy, sloppy, fumbly, interceptiony game. I, I I'm going with the over on. I think Vegas has it at what forty four points or forty two points. I'm going over. I, I I'm going over, and I'm going with Giants win. And and the score that I had was uh, thirty five Giants, thirty one Jets. Is what I said in the open. And that's my prediction. Obviously, we'll take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. Now i McCartan in the morning here on WFAN. That's why I'm easy. I'm
12: easy like Good
0: morning, everybody. Sunday morning. Welcome back to Football Sunday. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on the fan for the next uh, time. Already seven or so minutes is a football Sunday here in New York. We have... The ultimate bowl game, if you will, Jets and Giants squaring off at MetLife Stadium, 1 p.m. today on Fox, as one of the callers just referenced before. Now, we've talked a lot here about the Giants offense, the Jets offense. What about the Jets defense? I mean, they're not really so bad in perspective. Their passing defense is 13th in the league in yards per attempt, 18th in quarterback rating against, 13th in yards per completion. It's all middle of the road. It's not terrible. They blitz fifth most in the league. They bring 129 blitzes packages this year, and it's good for fifth most in the league. And when they do do that, they hold opponents to an 81.4 quarterback rating. But head scratching to me, though, is the fact that they only have 13 sacks, which is fourth worst in the NFL. So while they get the pressure, they're they're not getting the sack, you know, they're not killing the play. And the Jets' rushing defense is actually quite good. They allow 3.13 yards per rushing play, the best number in the NFL. And on first down especially, they only allow two point two point seven yards per run. That also leads the league. So if the Jets are going to get beat, it's, it's not going to be up front on a run game, despite Saquon Barkley. And Marcus May has an interception, and according to Pro Football Focus, He's allowed just two catches on nine targets this season, which is, like, great. And nine targets also isn't a lot because it shows that teams are staying away from him in coverage. Eric and Ron you're on the fan.
14: Hey, Danielle, good morning.
0: How are you? Uh,
8: Good, good. Just to reference something you mentioned earlier, I'm currently wearing a Red Heart shirt, (laughs) you know, since since you mentioned Steve Austin. Oh, Oh, yeah,
0: I was him for uh, Halloween in sixth grade. Yeah. Okay, okay. My brother was mankind.
8: Uh, that that must have been interesting, <laughs> that, uh, you know, given all the personalities that he has.
0: Oh yeah, he had uh, he had the sock and everything. He was a pretty good costume actually. He oh yeah,
8: great. yeah, he actually lives right near me, so I, I've met him a few times. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um, all right, listen. Yeah, I was telling Pat, you know, when, when he was uh, when he answered the call. I, I generally, you know, because of working overnight, I usually end up waking up half. You know, at halftime during the one o'clock games on mm-hmm. So give me a reason why I shouldn't. You know, why I should set my alarm to wake up at halftime for this game? You know given that I'm a a Jet fan. I'm not so sure I want to watch this game, quite honestly.
0: Um, You know, I I don't have the best answer for you, Eric, but the only thing I could say to wake up in time to watch the end of that game, it might be over by halftime, but if it's not, maybe you want to put some money on it. Maybe that'll keep you interested in the game. I, I, I suggest that. At least that way you'll be invested in it in some way, shape, or form. Right? Ricky, in the village, you're on the fan. Oh...
7: What is it? How are you? Good. How are you? Good. So check it. I don't think I'm going to stay in and watch the game tomorrow because I don't want to waste three hours of my life indoors watching this game, kind of like lesser of two evils. But I will listen. I will check in on my uh, my radio when I'm uptown in the park. But um, wanted to just say I was so excited to watch. Um, Le- Le'Veon Levion Green, what's his last name?
0: Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, Bell Come on, you know
7: that. Be- because his game the way he runs reminds me of uh Kawhi Leonard when he's when he's uh wheeling and dealing. You know, how they both kinda like slow down the tempo and then they and then they do their thing.
0: Sure, we- sure, Ricky, but Le'Veon Bell hasn't been doing much of that behind the, the Jets' offensive line this season, let's be honest. Justin and Dobbs Ferry, you're on a fan.
7: Very very frustrating to see both teams in their current state.
0: You wouldn't think. I mean, At the beginning of this season, you wouldn't think that these teams would be where they are right now.
7: No. I mean, I think people generally have higher expectations as Jets and Giants fans, being yeah. from New York. Uh-huh. But, you know, to see it like this is just, I mean, this is as bad as it's been in a long time. And when you factor in what the Knicks look like and what the Mets look like, even if you're, you know, if you're a Yankee, I'm a Yankee fan, it's just seeing all these teams being from New York. It's embarrassing.
0: Yeah, it's it's just not a good look for the city. And it
7: starts with the ownership of all these teams. The Wilpons, I mean, they got caught up in a huge scandal and they're still running around, not spending money or spend, you know. how frustrating can that be for Mets fans? The Jets, same thing. It's like they can't get out of their own way.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: They have a draft. They have all this money to spend. McCann, you know, he, he <clears throat> we think maybe he's on the right track. He gets a quarterback and then they hire a coach and then fire him. I know. <laughs> I mean, it's, It's comical. It never stops with the Jets. Yeah, I know. I I, I burned all my jet gear six years ago. (laughs) And I'm glad I did because I couldn't take it anymore. You know, it's like, it it, it was like, you know, if you're dating somebody and they cheat on you, you might be the bigger person and forgive them. But when they keep doing it, at some point you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I've had enough. I've got too much self-respect for this. Tomorrow is like watching You know, it's like a train wreck. You can't help but want to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's going to happen. You can't avoid it. You might as well watch it. Yeah. Get the popcorn. Yep. You know, like you said, the jet defense is middle of the road. It's not too bad. The way, the way the, their luck goes, they'll probably win tomorrow and cost themselves <laughs> a draft pick.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is.
7: Yeah. They
2: can't even lose.
7: Right.
0: <laughs> Justin, thanks for the but, call. That was very funny. Um, you know, you have a point. I mean, it, it seems to be that way, right? And in terms of like Jets gear and stuff, and and I, as I've said on here, I am a fan of all New York teams, so I have gear from all New York teams. And as I sit here in a Dan Marino jersey, um, I'll tweet out the picture in a little while. But um, I, when, when it stopped for me was when I bought the Mark Sanchez authentic jersey after the AFC Championship game that first year. That was when it stopped for me because then – I didn't buy jerseys anymore because I you should see upstairs. Maybe I'll send a picture later, but I have a Jericho Cotri jersey. I have a Wanker Bet, Keyshawn Johnson, Vinny Testaverde, um, Sanchez regular, Sanchez authentic. Then I was like, you know what? I'm not buying authentic jerseys anymore. I'm not buying a jerseys, period. So I started buying the T-shirts. Let me tell you my T-shirt collection. Darrell Rivas, Eric Decker, short sleeves and long sleeves, Brandon Marshall. And now my latest one, Jamal Adams. Justin and I slip. You're on the fan.
9: How you doing? All right. I I have the Sanchez jersey. I have the Titans jersey, authentic.
0: Mm-hmm.
9: Burn it. Burn it all. <laughs> Burn it. We we got the Donald. All they all we're gonna do is ruin another quarterback. It's another guy who from USC. Mm-hmm. Just so happens they're both from USC. Mm-hmm. With all these high hopes, not gonna happen. And we have a coach that can't develop a quarterback, which I love Rex Ryan. I still wish the guy was there, but he couldn't develop a quarterback. We have another guy that can't develop a quarterback. We're going to get beat by the, the team that owns the town, the Giants, quote unquote, owns the town. Right. But they're both awful, and we're not. We're we're the worst out of the awful. Like, what do we have? What do we? Look, C.J. Mosley was our only hope. He's not there anymore. You Everything on changed bill? as soon as he left. Le'Veon Bell. I, I honestly, <laughs> I I I couldn't believe how much of a leader he is. I didn't. I honestly thought he'd be heading for the hills at this point. Me but too. He's the only guy that's still speaking up. I
0: know. Yep. I know.
9: And and Jamal Adams too. I got, honestly, I after that whole debacle, he's still come back again and still proved to be a guy that wants to be a team guy, and he still wants to be here. Yep. But I was I was on team heard, Jamal Adams in the I, beginning. I can't believe I can't believe anybody wants to be here. to Be honest with you. Why the ownership is awful? We we hand it off to another Johnson that doesn't know what he's doing. It's just
0: it's a debacle.
9: It's a debacle all over again.
0: Yeah, and Justin, thanks for the call. Uh, debacle is is putting it nicely, but there's no way you're going to get these these owners, these billionaires, to sell their team. It's just another asset for them. Does it matter if their team is winning or not? I mean, it should because, like I said before. Winning brings more money. It's just mind-boggling to me. And the problem with with Sam Darnold and the development of Sam Darnold, and I've said it before, is the fact that he's been in a couple different offenses over a couple years. So he's been a senior at USC. He's under that, uh, that system. Comes in. He's under Bowles' system. Then Bowles gets fired. He's under Gase's system. It's like three systems in how many years? Three years or even four. And then you fire Gase, and then you put him in another system. Like, they themselves are are stunting the growth of their quarterback. At this point, is it too radical to to even suggest that to trade Sam Darnold, get a new coach in there with this GM, and and pick a new quarterback? I mean, is it that crazy? I, I think that's crazy. And the problem is that the Jets missed on the head coach. They swung this huge swing this this launch angle swing and they missed on the head coach. And they missed bad. And I never got behind Gaze. I'm on the record saying behind it, saying saying that I wasn't gonna get behind him. And that's that was the issue. Why would the Jets want the the remainder of, of Miami's recycled recycled piece? Why would the Jets want that? And then you could say, oh, well, he had success in in Chicago. No, he didn't. I think the highest greed, the highest ranking of his offense, because he was an offensive coordinator over there with the Bears, the highest ranking his offenses have, have ever hit, I think maybe was 18th in his whole entire career, and that was once. So I'm not sold on Adam Gase. I'm not sure why the Jets were sold on Adam Gase. I'm sure Peyton Manning had a lot to do with it. And what the heck is Peyton Manning thinking? I mean, really. I I Still, it it gives me nightmares that the Jets turned down Mike McCarthy, who was willing to come here, head up this, this, to use the caller's words, debacle. And they passed on him. They said, you know what? No, thanks. We're going to go with Adam Gase instead. Adam Gase is going to be our guy. I don't understand. I don't understand the logic in that. Or maybe I do. Maybe it's because uh, McCarthy wanted more control than Gase. I mean, but Gates has a lot. And then I don't understand why they, again, the timeline of, of it all. Mike McCagnon, his draft picks were, were really bad. I mean, even the first rounders. The, the, the Jets have picked high up for, for often, you know, we could say. So... Even those, even those, even his picks there, most of them are not even in the league to begin with. And the other ones are on different teams. I think every pick from 2010 to 2017 is on a different team. I'll check that first round pick. Never mind the guys in the later rounds. They're home playing golf. And we'll wrap this up a little while. Next commercial break, we got eight seven seven We'll go probably Mets, Yankees, and then we'll close it out for tonight. I'm Daniel McCartin on The Fan. And I'm Danielle McCartan, back with you guys on WFAN Radio, coming to you from the Mike Francesa studio in Lower Manhattan, New York, New York. City's so nice, they had to name it twice. (laughs) Um, Hey, speaking of New York, New York, um, both New York teams are playing at MetLife Stadium in the MetLife Bowl. My two key matchups to watch today, one, Daniel Jones, who exposed the weakness in the Jets secondary. We know it's a weak secondary. I think Daniel Jones has a career day. Especially with Saquon Barkley as a receiver. Barkley has the third most catches on the Giants this season, despite playing in only six games. And the Jets cannot contain running backs that act as receivers. Neville Hewitt's out, or he's listed as doubtful, let's just say. He's terrible anyway, in coverage. So who else do they have? James Burgess? Burgess? Oh yeah, he received Pro Football Focus's... Pro football focuses lowest average grade, lowest coverage grade among all linebackers in week eight when he attempted to cover Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. So that's a bust. So Daniel Jones, I think, might have a career day versus these New York Jets. And then Giants defensive line is my number two with Darnold under duress. The Giants have put some pressure. They've had more than three sacks in six of their nine games. And the Jets have had ton of shuffling going on in that offensive line. Osemele, Khalil, Adoga. I mean, come on. Darnold's got to be smarter with the football and and he's not good under pressure. Less than 50% completion percentage. Four touchdowns and six INTs. Oh, and then there's this Leonard Williams, the first player in Giants and Jets history to start a game for each team in the same regular season in history. He's caught on to the Giants' defense saying it was similar to Todd Bowles' defense. He's sort of kind of taking it personal that the Jets traded him. And Leonard Williams will have that Giants' defensive line prepared for everything. Make no mistake about it. But if Gase's Jets could figure this out, and the way that I suggested was to put a two-tight end set out there, because Herndon's going to be back, Herndon and Griffin out there, if they could figure that out, and they can execute that, The Giants haven't been very good in passing defense. They're 25th in yards a game, 27th in quarterback rating against, 29th in yards for completion. And how I see this game playing out, I mean, when you look at it, it's like that category, advantage Giants. That category, advantage Jets. And you can go down the list and say, go left and right down the list. Giants, Jets, Giants, Jets. How I see it is this. The Giants are three-point favorites, right? This is going to be, a, in my opinion, a slop, sloppy, I keep using the word fumbly, interception-y, shootout-style game. My prediction is that the Giants are going to defeat the Jets 35-31. That game's at 1 p.m. on Fox. Let's head up to upstate New York to talk to Howard. You're on the fan.
9: Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Are
7: you
0: a Bills hey, I fan thinking, <laughs> living in Utica? are you? No, a, I'm,
7: a, I'm, a life, I'm a lifelong Giants fan. Okay. And uh, the way I look at this game is I'm taking a different look at it, more as a fun game to watch.
12: Mm-hmm.
7: I mean, if you watched the LSU-Alabama game in the second half last night, last night yeah. it was full of fumbles, interceptions, muffed punts, good calls, bad calls, but it was an easy-to-see game. I know it had different ramifications, but I'm looking at this more like a a game you play in the backyard Thanksgiving morning with all your friends. <laughs>
0: uh, and,
7: just, something to yeah. just It's going to be fun, but it should be a high-scoring shootout.
0: And and that's what I think, too. I mean, this is going to be a sloppy game. And if it's not, I don't know, maybe we can make another bet about that. I'm, I'm clearly, I'm not good at bets because I'm sitting here in a Dan Marino jersey because the Jets lost to J.J.'s Dolphins. Then you got Edwin Diaz, the New York Mets. Telling everybody that a shaky 2019 doesn't mean I'm a bad pitcher. Just because I've had one bad season doesn't mean I'm a bad pitcher was the quote. Well, maybe he's right. He seems to think it's his curveball. The stats back that up. Opposing hitters bat about 300 against uh, his curveball. And... That, I think, he's he's going to be heading down to spring training to Port St. Lucie earlier than he had in seasons past. Well, he's only playing with the Mets, you know, for the one, but um, he's going to be heading down there earlier. He's going to aim to throw seven to ten bullpen sessions to get it right. And um, here's my own two cents. I'm not ready to run Edwin Diaz out, out of town yet. He's not getting the Adam Gase treatment from me. The guy's got a good work ethic. You're seeing it already. He's pinpointed the issue. He's got a plan to work it out even earlier than last year, prior to spring training. And when you look at his body of work from last season, you think about the save versus the Nationals on the opening day. He retired them in order. And as we know, the World Series champions, they weren't playing like it at the time. But he retired them in order on 14 pitches. By April, something happened on April 9th, 29th or April 30th even. Because on, before that, he had eight saves and eight chances and a .84 ERA. After then, he blew seven of 25 save opportunities. He allowed 14 home runs in 47 in the third innings. And the ERA became 6.65. Enter Carlos Beltran now. They're two Puerto Rican natives. They faced each other three times in the American League West. Diaz with the Mariners, Beltran with the Astros and Rangers. And career, Beltran's two for three with a strikeout, a single and a double versus Diaz. But they played together on the Puerto Rican national team in the World Baseball Classic. And there was a quote that had come out from Diaz. And he said, I want to have, uh, regarding um, Beltran, he said, I want to have that conversation to ask him how he handled New York in the time he was here as a player and now as a manager. He can give me some advice on how to handle the city better. Bingo. It's not about the pitching. It's about the mentality of pitching in New York. So what happened on April 30th? I would like to ask Edwin Diaz because what made him start to feel so uncomfortable? Did he start listening to the radio, maybe? Did he start reading the newspapers? And though I was so pro-Girardi for these Mets, this is the value that Carl Spelltrane can bring to this team. Him fixing Diaz might just equal a playoff berth. Because, as we all know, or maybe you don't, I will tell you now, Diaz is going to be feeling even more pressure next year because he's going to go from making just about $600,000, a little over, $600,000 $600,000 to making $7 million. And as New York fans, we expect the ones that we pay to to deliver. And if he's performing well, everybody's going to stay off his back. No one's going to seem to care. And the MLB awards are going to be handed out this week. Alonso as NL Rookie of the Year, we know he lost the, the Silver Slugger Award to Freddie Freeman to many people's surprise, including mine. So they went the way of the higher batting average, the voters, because Alonzo, to everybody, was the epitome of slugger. I mean, for crying out loud, he won the 2019 Home Run Derby. But maybe he's going to get Rookie of the Year. I mean, what do these names have in common? Tom Seaver, John Matalak, Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, Jacob deGrom, Peter Alonzo. Well, hopefully we can add Peter Alonso to that list. Those are all of the Mets NL Rookie of the Year's throughout their existence. Those are going to be announced November 11th on the MLB Network. It's got to be him, right? Set the Major League record with 53 home runs. He paced all qualified rookies in games, hits, RBIs, slugging percentage, on-base plus slugging, and runs. First rookie to finish with at least 50 home runs and 30 doubles. And it's not only his numbers. I know this isn't taken into account in the voting. But it's also his leadership capabilities. And I'm talking about rallying everybody, taking everybody's sizes down um, for those cleats for the 9-11 game. Contacting everybody's, you know, contracted cleat vendor to make sure it was all right. That attention to detail, this guy's going to be a success in this town for a long time. And hopefully he's got an NL Rookie of the Year award to show for it. Up on Tuesday, November 12th, is the manager of the year contest. And I made a compelling argument for Aaron Boone to be that. Oh, and by the way, the soundtrack for Pete Alonzo I had was Puff Daddy and Mace, Can't Nobody Hold Me Down. Yankees, I got levels because Aaron Boone and his statistics-driven um, department, especially with pitching, and we didn't talk, talk about it as much as I wanted to, we could save it for next week. The hiring of the new pitching coach but Aaron Boone in my opinion should, ha- should be named manager of the year on Tuesday and for a multitude of different reasons I mean he's the first manager to ever guide his team to back to back 100 win season in his first two years on the job he's one of the three finalists as we mentioned and last year he placed fifth in the manager of the year voting a year ago so like What more does the guy have to do? Win a World Series? But that doesn't even seem to be, you know, what these guys are looking for. These voters are looking for. There's no rhyme or reason. Uh, Guys that have had the highest payroll in baseball have won. Guys that have had the second to lowest payroll in baseball have won. I mean, I just think that Aaron Boone, his 203 victories in his first two years are the second most by a Yankees manager. Ralph Houck is the only one that has won more games in the first two seasons, 205 by two games. And 30 different New York Yankees spent time on the I.L. this season, 30. And as as a coach, just to keep everybody working in the same direction, paddling in the same direction, the revolving door of talent coming in and out of your door, just to have everybody keep their heads on straight and focused at the task at hand and still to win 103 games in the first AL title since 2000 and AL East title since 2012. I mean, he, he, this he's had savages in the box, you know. Ne- hashtag next man up has begun, become a thing on Twitter. There's an emoji, Yankees emoji paired with that. That next man up philosophy. That's why I think, not because of the Twitter, but I think Aaron Boone deserved it. I mean, I I was on that since September 8th. I wrote an article saying that. The guy deserves it. And we'll find out on November 12th if, in fact, he does get it. Because in my opinion, it's a yes. Call me a New York homer. I mean, we talked all night about the Jets and Giants, Mets, Yankees, a little bit of Knicks. Frank Nielakina is coming into his own. Just want to say thanks to all the callers. Could not have done it without you. It's been a fun four hours. I love coming here, talking to you guys. Another thank you to Kim Jones, the NFL Network reporter. You know her here on WFAN as well. We hyper-focused on a detailed comparison and contrast to the Jets and Giants. Great job to Pat behind the glass. Marco on the updates. Enjoy NFL's Week 10 action. It's the battle at MetLife Stadium for bragging rights. Well, you know, kind of. On the eve of Veterans Day, it's the NFL Salute to Service Day. So thank you to all our veterans and their families. Freedom is not free. Go out and thank a veteran today, everybody. See you next time. Same bad time, same bad Sports channel.
11: Radio